Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome to Unregimented number 223. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. And by the time you hear this, the government will be probably taking another, you know, three days off, more than likely. Yeah, two yeah another, week, we take off another weekend off. We're, we're going to be shut down for two of the days where we would normally be not operating hey. anyway. Doesn't anyone care about the state parks? No. Well, it, yeah, where's, I guess, all the, uh, where's all the outrage about the veterans not getting paid this time again? It, is, is it, did their card get overused last time, so they got to come up with a new one? Oh, the veterans. Won't someone not, think of the veterans? veterans. Uh, active duty, that's what I meant to say. Sorry. Oh, right. Well, uh, I'm so well, From sick what I read, the military's hearing. got enough money till September. Sure, but it doesn't stop anyone from saying, oh, well, if the Democrats didn't hate the military so much, we could pass this budget. I don't know. Dems don't want to see. They want the government to shut down because they hate the military. <laughs> How does that? How does that make any sense? You know, uh, Rand Paul actually uh, said something interesting today because he is probably not going to vote for this current budget that they have proposed, and he said that I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically called it the height of hypocrisy to pass a budget as a Republican that includes punching a $1 trillion hole in the debt when all they did was whine and moan about the debt when Obama was in office. And he said what I've, what I've been... anymore. I, he, he said what I've been saying this whole time is that I don't want to hear about deficit hawks anymore. I don't want... Whatever this mythical bird is, it doesn't exist. Nobody's fucking seen it in Washington, except for maybe Rand Paul. Maybe. We'll see. You know, a quick you know, question. This could just be another I, I, grandstanding for attention. I, that's what everybody's using this fucking budget for. Is, hey, I've got my own pet cause that I need to stand up for, and this budget isn't getting passed until I get a, a wall and the military's all paid for and all the immigrants have everything paid for and can stay in this country forever and there's no debt. Dude, I read so much about it this week. It, like, it, it, it's no now this for me. There's no compromise. <laughs> That's what it is to okay, me now. That, Every, everything. That just <laughs> sounds like fart noises over here, but okay. <laughs> sure. Well, here, I, Rich, well, I, Rich, I what, was, what was your question? I have a question. Okay. So Trump, when the economy does well, yeah, starts taking victory laps, getting ribs removed so he can fold himself in half and self-fillet himself, and all this shit. Now, when it tanks to over a 1,000 points lost in one day... Oh, what, don't don't. Is, call, that the, uh, is that that Negro's fault that used to be president, or is that his fault? No. <laughs> well, let's not confuse the economy with the stock market. Stock market reacts to the economy, but is not the economy. Um, yeah, it's it's correcting because it's it started out the year way too in too strong, and last year was ridiculous. Well, I mean, like, it dropped record low on what Monday. We're now recording mm-hmm. on Thursday. It had some gains over the week and now dropped almost as much as it did on Monday. So mm-hmm. it's it's chaotic is what it is. And no, but the point 
remains, though, Rich, that Trump likes to loves to crow about how, how well the stock market is is doing because he is president. And then I don't know if you saw his tweet in reaction to the the record like eleven eleven hundred point drop on Monday. He said that basically that it was weird that the stock market now reacts poorly to quote unquote good news. That this is this is an unexplainable phenomenon to, and this is <laughs> this is a logic but, problem but, in his brain but, but because I hate to say it though he's, he's right he's not right because no wait wait no hold on a second he <laughs> it well, can't be because good because why news. Monday happened is what he's talking about no. right he's trying to he's trying to basically highlight this huge drop as this weird anomaly that has nothing to do with what the of uh, of uh, has nothing to do with Trump's policies and that is it, correct and it does but the the way he's trying to illustrate it is that okay so the market reacts poorly to good news that's not a possibility in reality because good news is defined as the market reacting positively and bad news is defined as the market reacting negatively. So if the market saw something it didn't like and lost a bunch of points in one day, that's bad news. That's not the mar- that's not the people that are investing in the market not understanding what's going on, being confused by this message of like because the- what they're what they're actually re- reacting to is the Fed hiking up interest rates, which is a reaction to well, that, a lot the of the, was, a lot of the positive things that Trump has been doing. Yeah. This is all true. Like tr- the Fed was talking Trump, about it because of the oh, so the biggest growth in uh, wages since two thousand nine. Exactly, so the Fed wages was like, grow. Hey, unemployment is down. The, so the, the market. Like, we should hike this up. The economy is really humming, and this all means that in order to balance out and not get out of control inflation, you have to hike up interest rates. So, yeah, I mean, the the market was reacting to. uh, I I mean, I guess as I think it through like this, uh, he is kind of right. No, you're right. He he kind of he is. Did it pains me to say? Well, he's kind of right, but. There's a, a clear duplicity in his statement, whereas a a smarter uh, president would say something like, "I know this looks bad, but here's what we're looking at, big picture." You know, this is a fluctuation yeah. that is due to our current changes, and once yeah. once everything stabilizes, the market's going to be fine. So don't freak out. But I of course, my, you know, the Trump se- Trump takes it personally. It's like, oh, the market's fucking with my presidency now. They're trying to make me look bad. Now I got to make them look bad. Like they don't know what they're doing. I, I guess I guess my question was more along the lines of hey, what what's the cutoff point for? Because I mean, I remember all the Trump pansies, you know, before they knew they were Trump pansies, um, getting all butt hurt and saying, well. Every time Obama said, or anyone said, well, Obama inherited a mess, and he's trying to straighten it out, yeah. and they're like, oh, how long is he going to play that card? Well, Trump did the opposite. He jumped, the minute there was an uptick in anything, he jumped in and started fucking, you know, taking victory laps. 
Right. What's if the, you're gonna the, take the, the saying? He's born on credit, third, basically, blame, don't you? Or he's, are he's we, born. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, I was just—I was just saying that he was basically born on third when it comes to the economy. Like well, all he had to do, all he had to do is run it home. I, I just—I maybe I'm just not hearing it and seeing it myself. But all his hemming and hawing and crowing about well, the economy's doing great and 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 black people. Their unemployment numbers are at historically low numbers in this country, and that's all thanks to, thanks to me and all this shit. Once again, right. if he's going to take the fucking credit, he's got to take the blame when it when it happens. Mm. Or are we just do we just not call people? Is this part of the new post post fact America? We don't call people on their bullshit no more. We just go, oh well, you know, whatever. That's Trump. Wah wah, you know. And I, it's all it's. I, I'm not hearing it in in the, in the news. I'm not hearing it in reporting. Because quite honestly, it's it's a week, man. Like, well, stock market it, has a shitty week sometimes. It, I'm not. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm not ready and to lay it all doing, at his feet yet. If we're sitting here in a year and the stock market's got half the volume that it has now, fuck him laying it at his feet. Right, and I I think. The reason he's not being called out on this behavior is because this is actually standard behavior. You know, I know Trump is uh, is not your standard president, but this is an issue that just about every president has done to some respect. And yeah, because Clinton every every wrote- president has taken credit for not just taking credit, but sees themselves as uh, having the power to create jobs. To move the economy, you know, and <laughs> dude, you know, Billy Jeff totally took advantage. He was right place, right time with the internet economy showing up, and he fucking just rode that bitch and took so much credit yeah. for that. When in reality, it would have been whoever was there at the time was going to get, you know, if if Daddy Bush got a second term, he would have got credit for it because it was just right place, right time. Internet economy showed up. Yeah, but you have people. You have people like Rush Limbaugh saying it has nothing to do with Clinton. It has everything to do with Reaganomics. You know, this is. Yeah. I mean, I remember him clearly when he had his TV show after Clinton was elected. You know, trying to convince people that oh, something that Reagan did in '82 has finally come to fruition in '93. Yes, and oh, and <laughs> this is all. This is all due to to. to Big Daddy Reagan has nothing to do with Bill Clinton, and yet he argued against his own point because anytime there was any any dip, oh, well, that's all on Clinton. You see, what I'm saying like yes. people, yeah, like I understand yeah. it's nothing new look under at, the sun. The difference is it seems like people were quicker to go, look, man, stop trying to have it both ways. Stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. And we don't even but, try this with Trump anymore. We just accept it and go, right. well, it's just Trump. What are you going to do? Well, I think because Trump's just doing what Fox News did for eight years under Obama. Every time something positive happened in the economy, Fox News would trip over themselves trying to find some explanation that said that it wasn't Obama's fault that the, the economy is doing well at that point. That it, it, because in order to do that, they would have to say that they're, them speaking out against Obama's policies when they were first starting and saying about how this is going to destroy the economy was absolutely wrong. So they're not going to go back on that. They're not going to say that they were wrong about their their opinion on Obama's policies. They have to find a reason why it's not why Obama wasn't responsible for the economy improving. I, I just feel like our short attention span 
society well, benefits these people I think way more than sh- it should. I don't I don't see it so much as short as limited. I mean, anyone's attention span is limited. What you're going to pay attention to, it, it, with all the things happening across the world, it has to be somewhat limited, or else you'd go insane trying to keep up with everything. But I, I think this does suffer from a limited attention span in that how long are you just going to keep going back and forth over whose fault it is that... Uh, uh, that the economy is doing poorly or doing well at any given time, because the people who are using that as as like an issue to either vote on or campaign on or or prove their point are are either doing so whether they're doing so ignorantly or not, they're doing so out of out of partisan politics. It has no place in in logic and. It's almost not really refuting, especially when you have so many more bigger issues that need to be addressed. Well, I I think it's also, unfortunately, these days it seems like journalists or investigative reporters or, or whatever who refuse to align themselves with a political ideology, uh, they're really they have there's there's really no port in a storm for them they have no strong like case in point someone like charlie LaDuff. yeah i mean he, he doesn't give a fuck what letter d or r is by your fucking name if you're an elected official if he thinks that you're fucking screwing over the people he goes after you doesn't matter white black republican democrat none of that shit matters to him and because of that he's got a lot of enemies and a lot of really i mean he went from kind of a rising star to to basically i don't want to say blacklisted but mm-hmm. wh- where is he i mean how did he went from having right. you know national a national tv show uh i mean everybody looked forward to his segments here in detroit and he refused you know, to pick a side yeah, he refused to play the the partisan politics game, and he's been shunned for it. Well, and you know, he just had a show on A and E. Well, yeah, we've a talked a lot. Special, though. We've talked a lot about bias in reporting, and I know that we have differing opinions, especially you and I, Chris, about uh, how much you can keep that out of it. I think that Charlie LaDuff has a bias in his reporting the way that any other reporter has only. It it depends on what your bias is. His bias isn't that Republicans are are bad or that Democrats are bad. His bias is that power corrupts and it's going to happen. And so he just looks for it. He doesn't investigate just one certain party or one type of person or anything. He just looks for corruption. And that's what he's concerned about. I still think it was fishy that, like, a week or two after the feds get involved in Detroit again about them jacking up the prices for demolition on their houses, he all of a sudden, quote-unquote, retires. Well, that's what I was going to say. He went after Kwame, and all the hardcore Kwame supporters, you know, racist, you're only doing this because it's a black man in power in Detroit, and, you know, this and that. And then Mike Duggan, a white man, gets elected mayor of Detroit, and he goes right after Mike Duggan. Yep. Where's the cries of racism now? No, they're silent. I mean, it's... I guess I, I I understand what you're saying as far as his bias is his belief that power corrupts on a long enough timeline. 
I guess I'm biased too because I kind of believe that. I think it takes a very rare air human being not to get corrupted by power and being told you're right, yes, you can have everything right. your way all the time. But but this is a necessary bias because we know that it happens and this is the only check on power. The only check on power is information. But too, with things like Charlie LaDuff, you're getting into straight up things, the things that are empirically right and wrong, that there is, there, there's generally no nuance to them. You know, stealing is stealing, killing is killing, lying is lying. You know, it's, it's, it's the other forms of bias where it's somebody pretty much trying to get you to come over to their side. You know, like whenever right. I start yeah, seeing statements full of might and could and maybe, all I'm seeing is somebody that's trying to get me to think what they're thinking. Yes. Well, I just think I just think back to like something. No, the, the, then those are key trigger words to look out for in anything that you read. You're absolutely right. You know, I just think back to something. It has nothing to do with politics, but it's an example of just power and and how people treat people who have the power. Look at the situation with Prince. You know, I mean, he lived in Prince Land. It was a land of his own creation. He surrounded himself with people who. Everybody who ever set foot in Paisley Park had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. It was everything was Prince's way or the highway. There was no discussing anything with him. You know, he's he, I'm 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 Jehovah's Witness, and I I think blood transfusions are bad. Uh, but I'm hurting. Go get me my pain drugs. No one ever called him on that shit because oh, it's Prince. So now you take someone like that who, let's be honest, in the grand scheme of politics, Prince wasn't shit. But you put politics, which is power in this country, and have that type of person, of course people are just going to fucking just, oh, whatever you say. Yeah, no problem. No problem. There's just, I, I don't know if it's a lack of balls, if it's just too much ass kissing because people think it's going to get them farther in life, or if it's just a, a matter of... I, it, it's just human nature to suck up to people who you perceive to have power over you. But it's just, <clears throat> I think we we have a serious lack of investigative journalism that does not give a fuck about your politics, your ideals. It's just going to go right for the fucking gut. And when you when I do see those guys, I always wonder how long is their career going to last. You know, like I said, Charlie LaDuff went from working for Fox Two here in Detroit, having a national television show, publishing books through publishers to where he's now looking to he's literally working at a Coney Island in Detroit and self-publishing his latest book man well, uh, we, Chris, what? Woodward and Bernstein were a long fucking time ago exactly it's Chris, uh, yeah you kind of you kind of lost me on the the comment about his retiring can you unfold that for me a little bit yeah, like two weeks after the feds were called into Detroit to look into to bid rigging on uh, uh, tearing down houses, he Charlie Duff, no indicators whatsoever. It was like December, what was it, the last year? Maybe two yeah. years ago? Just as like, yeah, I'm done. Didn't, you didn't give any reason. Well, was pretty was kind of cryptic about it. Did, wasn't even wasn't like, this, hey, I got another job. It was just, hey, I'm getting out of the business. Wasn't like out of wasn't nowhere. This, uh, wasn't this type of uh, rigging of the the demolition of uh, abandoned houses one of his pet issues? Oh yeah, yes. 
It so, was his main beef with Mike Duggan. What, what's the what's the line that I'm missing then that connects this? Like, that, w- wouldn't he was some sort of pressure you think put on him or something? Maybe maybe the feds came in and said, "Hey, we're going to take care of this, but you got to shut the fuck up for a minute." Or his bosses? That's what I'm thinking. Maybe more of is maybe the bosses that were like, "Hey, nope." Uh, we like this mayor. You're done doing. You like uh, maybe maybe he kept pushing buttons he wasn't supposed to push. Maybe he was told not to dig. I don't. It just like he was. It was cryptic and it was quick. That's just what makes me wonder about it. Like it came with like no warning. He was also no. Oh, hey, I'm done. See ya. Yeah. I like, mean, didn't move. Still lives in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Like just he's no longer. I, I don't know. Allowed to uh, be media. It seems. I don't know him as a person, but from, you know, you feel like you get to know him a little bit, especially when he was on, like, uh, Drew's podcast. He speaks pretty openly about his life. He's written about it openly in his his book. And it doesn't seem completely out of character to think that he would just kind of get fed up with everything and just say, fuck it, I can do other things. Yeah, but it does um, when you hear talk about he's got two daughters he's got to put through college. Like, you know, Bernie, I think he's, Bernie didn't win. College ain't free. I, I think he's the yeah. type of guy that, that if the, his bosses at but Fox 2 or whatever came to him and said, look, we need you to ease up on this, he'd go, well, that's not going to happen. And they go, well, then here's your choice. You can either write a letter of resignation and leave and save some face, or we can fire you. Yeah. But to me, what stinks is why didn't 4 or 7 jump on him? That's what I'm well, saying. I think he, he That's has why to I make walked a choice up the line then. saying blacklisted. Right. If I mean, in this hypothetical scenario that we're, that we're supposing may have happened, he would have had to have made a choice then to, like, he was going to be out either way, right? So does well, he, he want to make this his issue? Does, it, does he want to take this on alone, basically, without the support of the press? He did make a comment, if I'm remembering correctly, on Drew and Mark's podcast about his phone wasn't ringing. Because if I remember correctly, like something something along those lines. Because Drew was like, "How uh-huh. are you not picked up immediately by somebody else?" You know, I mean, you're a rising star in at least the Detroit news world. Oh. I mean, right? Fuck rising, an established, you know, an established journalist here in Detroit. How come well, well, you? aren't working in well, the business and he's like the phone right. just wasn't ringing he got, uh, you do what he you got gotta do you gotta pay the bills somehow don't you he got some decent attention even internationally having his book out at the same time that everybody was looking at and wanting to do stories about urban blight in detroit yeah and he was his, his book came book out was, around the, the emergency manager right um, I, I don't know. Around the, the time exact... we filed, they filed bankruptcy. I believe his book came out. I remember right. his book. Yeah, his, that, well, people book. even before them were doing a lot of stories about what's happening in Detroit, but it really blew up at that point when people were going, "Wow, a major city in America has gone bankrupt. How does this happen?" And also, ironically, while that was going on, Kwame had the you had the <clears throat> the Eminem Super Bowl ads, you know. Detroit's the comeback city and all that shit. His right. book came out around that time also, and they were, when they were really trying to push the narrative of Detroit's making a comeback nationally. Right. Well, yeah, I'm not trying to pin it down to an exact t- 
time when his book came out. It came out during all the shit that Detroit is going through. So it's, it seems really weird that nobody would reach out to him. And well, I mean, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Get like, a reputation. I, I mean, that's one of the things they beat in our heads from, <clears throat> excuse me, from day one in specs. You know, don't burn bridges on the way out the door. If you're the type of person who you feel you've been wronged, you need to. You feel you need to throw a hand grenade as you walk out the door. This isn't the business for you because you'll get a reputation and people will not want to work with you. And there's yeah. the, the 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 companies that own the media are just getting smaller. The numbers getting smaller and smaller. So if you burn a bridge with like let's say CBS, that's a large chunk of the of of. You, you know, you know in media, you're never going to work for again. What Charlie needs is his own Netflix show. I'm, yeah, I'm honestly he kind needs of shocked like, he hasn't done like a crowdfunding type thing to, or, or a Patreon type deal, and just start his own his own thing. I, I can't imagine he w- he would have a problem getting funded. I mean, yeah. it, just from just from the way he presents himself as like you know. And the fact that he's working at Lafayette, Coney Island, for fuck's sake, uh, you know, he appeals to the everyman. Yeah. He doesn't come off as it's, Matt Lauer or Oprah, you know, like people that are in the media who are just, well, Matt Lauer used to be, you know, above everybody else. He doesn't come off like a smug bastard like Brian Gumble or somebody. I just, I, I find it, you know, I didn't bring it up to, to uh, question your your theories on him, but I I kind of wanted to I wanted more information about it because I wasn't aware of the situation and it's really disappointing because Charlie LaDuff is one of the few people out there with a decent reach that speaks truth to power mm-hmm. and I I think that we're dumber because of it. There's a lot more reasons we're fucking dumber, but yeah, that's one of them. Well, let, let, we're less informed, I should say. <laughs> the Emperor's we're, New Clothes was, more, a, was, was, more, was supposed to be a warning, not a how-to manual. Yeah, yeah we're, we're more ignorant because of it, because of his, his loss from journalism. But who knows? Maybe he'll be back. I don't know. It's, it seems like, <laughs> like we're, when we're at an age where you can... If you've got something to say, you can reach people some way or another. That there must be a, a component of this where he is just kind of caving. Oh, where, I think I think where, he's, where oh, he, he has some, like throwing up his hands and say, "Fuck it, I don't need this shit." Well, yeah, he's had some choice things to say about burgers. the current state of media. Oh yeah, no doubt. But he's he's always has. You know, that's nothing new. It it has now gotten to the point where it has broken him, though. He's even taken shots at his former employer a couple podcasts ago when he he shows up every now and then on Drew's podcast. And yeah, yeah, he's taken a couple shots at his old boss. Just as far as you know, pretty much saying what you guys are saying. He's like, you're not allowed to be an investigative journalist anymore. Well, yeah, wow. I remember him telling a story about yeah. handing in. Because he was a, him and his crew were a self-contained unit, and they were talking about it. And he would go out with his camera guy, with his own producer, and film, edit, and hand in a completed report. 
and Fox 2 would then let their hacks go at it. And he had a beef with them about it. And that's, I think, one of the reasons he started trying to, to or he, he, he shifted from doing his type of stories on Fox 2 to more of a national thing because maybe he got a little bit more say-so. And he got tired of it. He's like, I, I, if I hand you a completed story, fully edited, ready to go, why are you going through and taking parts out? And not and not not saying anything about it, and then trying to backdoor me backdoor air it to the point where I'm watching it going, I don't even know what the fuck this is. This isn't what I handed in. I mean, so that right there tells you the state of the media, right? I mean, right there. That's that's why I try to explain to people all the time who have no idea how the media works. They think I'm like, there. Case in point: Super Bowl just happened. Every fucking nanosecond of those commercials were plotted, planned, approved, and and. There yeah, was nothing left to chance. Yeah. And, you know, that's how come people... Oh, uh, And yet they still do tone-deaf stuff like the MLK uh, truck sale or whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, that slipped through the cracks. No, it didn't. No, it no, didn't. No, and you thought it was a good idea. <laughs> you want to point the finger at Dodge for be, running a tone-deaf ad? Okay, more power to you. I can't argue that. But you also need to point a finger at the MLK estate because... They have a nasty habit of asking for, like, you know, six figures or more just for his likeness to be used in a, in a memorial to him. Like, you want to build a memorial to Martin Luther King, you got to pay the family. And we're not talking, like, donate to this charity. They're talking cut us a check for, like, 800 grand. Yeah, there were many signatures involved in that commercial. That did not happen by accident. It wasn't like Dodge was like, hey, I saw this cool YouTube clip. Let's make a commercial out of it. No. Believe me, we're handcuffed with what we can do on this podcast. Chris, you tried to explain to me one time. I might have misunderstood what you were saying. But from what I understand is you can't play a piece of music for longer than 30 seconds unless you're talking over it without having to pay for the rights to use that music. Well, no, you can can play the whole thing. You 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 have to be talking about it. Yeah, there's... uh it's got to be referential or something too. It's got to add to what you're doing. Yeah, there's an exact term for this that is escaping. Fair use. Me, that is in the yeah. It, it does yeah, but there's uh, it does fall under fair use if you're if you're criticizing or talking about something. So we can you know talk about the you know new Radiohead album or whatever and play some music for it but we can't take the new radiohead single and put it as the theme music for our show gotcha because that that is trying to you know take advantage of a popular song and and make well not that we're making money but potentially (laughs) commercialize it it it, it's gonna owe a lot of money if he ever gets caught yeah, there's there's still so many people. There's a, there's a lot of smaller podcasts that I like to listen to where I, they just pick their favorite song for their theme, and I'm like, all right, well, good luck with that. But on the other yeah. hand, they they get away with it, and they have people subscribing to their Patreon. So I guess it, it really only comes down to who's going to hear it, and are they litigious? Well, it probably comes down to are you using the piece of music to generate revenue, or in that case, you're not. Like you're using it as like your theme song, where you know, like music isn't the whole point of generating the revenue for that podcast. 
Which, if it was like, hey, we're going to play a half an hour of our new favorite new songs, yeah, you're going to get the no, shit suit out of you. Um, no, but using it as a theme would be always off the table, at least legally speaking. I mean, think about it in the respects of if you want to have a snappy theme for your whatever it is, radio show, TV show, movie, what you that that is like a draw for you, right? You have to pay somebody money to get access to that tune that you want. That is Yeah, that's that true a, because I remember Adam Carolla talking about the theme for his show like it wasn't just as simple as you know, he's he's boys with the mighty mighty boss tones and the guy was like, you know, yeah, you can use our song and then their lawyers jumped in and went, yeah, not that simple. Right. Well, yeah, the, for Sporgy, I wanted to use a, a local band who I knew their I found out later why they didn't even bother to respond. I knew the guitar player who used to be in the band, and when I contacted him, I never heard back from him. And then just through pure fuckery, you know, months later, whatever, found out that when he left the band, he was the copyright holder on that song. They didn't leave under the best circumstances. They didn't even bother to contact him. He's like, I didn't hear about that. You'd been better off calling, you know, hitting me up on Facebook or something. And I'm like, I, dude, I didn't know. <laughs> you yeah. know, I had no idea you weren't in a band anymore. You know, and as, like, as long as we're talking. <laughs> the moral story I, is don't be in a band. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be remiss not to mention that both the themes for this song, uh, this show and The Weedsmen were written by myself and they are wholly original compositions, although I cannot speak to the samples. <laughs> Oh shit! Hey, whatever. Six are, second are, rule. Are we going to get some? Are, are you going to? Is there going to be a cease and desist along the lines of the Dust Brothers for doing what they did with uh, Paul's boutique? <laughs> you know, I, most of the um, most of the stampled stuff that I use, I I manipulate enough the that you wouldn't really be able to tell. Although the like vocal drop stuff, that's a different story. Well, but I, I don't you know, know where that falls. I mean, that's, that's kind of like. If you if you went after me for using a drop from Dazed and Confused in my intro, you'd have to go out after every morning DJ and podcast out there using drops. Oh, oh isn't it yeah. isn't it the seven second rule though? If right, it's less like, than seven seconds, you're good. No, 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 that's a myth. Really? Well, I do know. I do know that those that was, was a standard that they were trying to lay out at one point, but now it's no. just no. If you if you if you are. Uh, if you are lifting something that can be easily identified, at, where the source can be easily identified, then you are going to have to clear that as a sample. Well, I just I think it's one of the the because yeah, that wouldn't work for drum, most drum loops I've are less read, than seven seconds. One of the most interesting interviews I ever read on the subject was uh, the Beastie Boys. They were they were giving an interview about Paul's boutique. Oh yeah, and they're like they're like to this day we still get you know cease and desist and sued for samples on that and that album's 30 years old almost you know it's like people yeah. you know people of whoever's estate someone goes hey man isn't that your grandfather's part right there yeah let's sue the fuck out of somebody and it's like jesus god which is once again why paul's boutique is the only beastie boys album that sounds like that yeah, yeah was they, they were like we better start learning to play our own instruments and if we're gonna keep doing this <laughs> Yeah, because Check Your Head came out next, and literally the album covers them sitting with their instruments. I think like half the album is them jamming, doing instrumentals. Right. So, yeah, ex exactly. 
Yeah, and, that, uh, but that Paul's boutique, the most sampled album of all time. Um, well, not to nitpick your grammar, it, it, but it it, it, contains, it contains the, the most, most samples. samples. Yes. yes. Yeah, um, it was. It's it's it, up there. If it's not number one, it I don't has know if to anyone's broken it. it. It has been number one for a while, unless somebody okay. has broken that record. Because I remember uh, the Bomb Squad, but, for, for the the producers for Public Enemy. Uh, during the, I watched the Public Enemy documentary, and they were like, "Yeah, we get we after after Fear of a Black Planet, we got hit with a bunch of lawsuits." <laughs> they were like, "Oh, you sampled everybody, didn't you?" You're like, "Yeah, we kind of did." Yeah. So I know, like, I think that most of what happens in sampling should just fall under creative use, and unless you're actually taking like just whole musical elements of like a bass line or a melody you know chopping stuff up and 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 reimagining old pieces of music is a a creative endeavor of its own and i mean just the listen to dj shadow's first album introducing and he did not play anything that entire record was made up of outside of I think the um, the Twin Peaks vocal stuff and probably some of the other vocal stuff that he used that was probably lifted straight from like television shows and movies. All the musical elements are his record collection, but he didn't. You know, he, he had to actually put some work into that. You know, he had to go crate digging. He had to figure out which elements were going to work well together. So, I don't know. We kind of strayed from... Uh, what were we talking about anyway? How did we get into this? <laughs> we're talking about music. This could get us into Q. In his crazy well, ass. Well, hold on, though. Because there's some other like more recent developments that I, I feel like I, would, I, I need to talk about. Um... Where do we go from here? Uh, wasn't there a memo? Weren't we going to get more memos? We're, like, we're back to white we, noise in my world. <laughs> it's okay. So we had we had one memo that actually not only didn't prove what they said it was going to prove, it actually proved the opposite. And then they're they're like, oh well, hold on a second. We've got five more memos that'll clear this all up. And then the Democrats are like, we've got a memo, too. And I honestly thought that we were going to see... I'm sure it's just as pointless and irrelevant. Well, you know, it may be pointless, but it's not a bad move for the Democrats. It's a win-win for them either way, right? Because the, the Democratic memo got approved to be released... And then sent to the president. So now the president can either approve that the release of this memo with classified information take a or shit not. On it and give it if back he, to him. If he does, if he if he if he doesn't release the Democratic memo, well then the Democrats have a talking point. They can go, well, what's he got to hide on this? I thought he was for transparency. Why not here? What's what's in our memo that he's afraid of? And there's really nothing to be lost from them. I mean, I'm not saying that they're, if they did get their memo out there, that it would clear everything up. It would just be more white noise, but there's no downside to that for them. But I don't, I don't know. I think the, the public's attention, 
span for memos is uh has vastly decreased over the last week and the trust that that there would actually be something juicy in future memos was kind of soiled by how much of a wet fart the first one was yeah i mean it it very anticlimactic and i was like this this is what everyone was flipping out about because i just saw the usual suspects in the Trump camp, you know, oh, this is it. It's the end of the Democrats as we know it. This is just the end of the world for them. And it came out and I was like, that's that's your smoking gun? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do, but it's all how be, do people but it's keep all watching? become this big gotcha game, though, with both sides. You know, you know, last week it was the Republicans' turn. Like, oh, that's going to get them. Oh, that's going to, you know, and then next week it's going it's, to... It's told you guys last week it's like it's now like a turf war at a daycare center like these are our elected officials everybody all right but isn't there somebody who needs to be got sure (laughs) i mean this is the problem chris you're look i understand that this this is like a, a lot of this is a frustrating process that seems to have no results but if you want trump out of office you don't just fucking roll over on this shit. So it's a gotcha game as in, yeah, we need to get this fucking guy out of office. And the Republicans are fighting back. There are, there's plenty of elements of this that are just white noise. But if you, if you write the whole thing off as white noise, then you've just given up on, uh, well, I guess, you know, I, I guess we're just stuck before, with, with... And I'll say it again. Come back with something real. This is all real. It's all real. It's all happening. Sure. If you say so. I mean, it's... All the stuff that keeps coming out is nothing. It's it's all... We're back to might and maybe and could. Yeah, no, we are at that point. How could we... The investigation isn't concluded. Well, it's almost 10 months old, and we have yet to talk to the main offender. Um, well, you know, that's an interesting thing. The idea of whether the president can be forced to talk to the FBI. And it seems to me uh, that that answer the way our is... courts are drawn, if you get subpoenaed, you have no fucking choice, whether you're the president uh-huh. or not. Right, and, and that seems the way it should work, that even the president is not above the law. But because we haven't actually like put some of these things to the test as to whether... Whether you can file criminal charges against a sitting president just hasn't been done. I don't know. It, it seems ridiculous that it, that they could just say, "Well, he doesn't need to talk to anyone. It's fine. Just just write your answers down on a paper, and and we'll fill it out for him." Well, isn't the isn't the 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 infamous thing is to have him give a statement not under oath behind closed doors? And go, well, that's good enough. I mean, yeah. they, they did it with Bush and, and Cheney and that bunch. And it is for, good enough for some in, people. In, in, the, in the investigation of 9-11, we still don't know what was said in those, those interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's been 17 years. And it, it, this is just a little bit more blatant of, I mean, if they do subpoena him and he goes, I'm not fucking, I'm not, fuck you, I'm not doing that, I'm the president. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to either 
ignore it, which is likely what I think is going to happen. I mean, there's going to be outrage, but nothing's going to be done about it because everyone's too fucking comfortable with their Wi-Fi and their fucking, you know, the fact that there's food in their refrigerator and shit. Or there's going to be people who are like, oh, no, fuck this. And I just don't have enough faith in the people to, to get to get pissed off enough to make something happen if he just goes, fuck you. I don't care about your fucking court order or your subpoena. That doesn't mean shit well, because to me. I'm the president. Well, because, Rich, now we're back to your... Our short attention, our short attention span society. You know how many? You know, last year this time, oh, it was like what a protest a weekend. Were they all? Yeah, it seemed now? like it. Yeah. Well, what do you want? You bitch when they do protest, and now you bitch when they don't. I mean, what do you want? Out of it? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's, that's no, because what I was because when that's, I bitched when they protested because it was empty. It's it. It, it, a year later, my point is proven. It was we were irate about something for two days, and now we've moved on. I never bitched that, me personally, I'm just speaking for myself, I never bitched that there was protests. I bitched that they were co-opted by people who, all these pet issues came in, and it just fucking muddied the waters to where it just turned into just, like Chris said, white noise. I mean, it's it, we've talked about Occupy Wall Street. You know, what happened? Everybody with a pet issue showed up, and it just turned into a, a fucking joke. It turned into mm-hmm. a punchline on late-night television. Or what's happening currently with the Me Too movement. Exactly. You know, everybody... This this is something that I, I don't understand why more people don't comprehend this. Most people don't give a fuck about something until it happens to them. And you can't force people to care about an issue that they have no connection to whatsoever. And... He's screaming and yelling and breaking shit and putting on, you know, masks and swinging socks with fucking locks in them and shit at people that disagree with you is not the way to try to get someone to care about your issue. And that was my problem with the protests is because even if I could get down with what they were protesting, even if I supported it, understood it and was like, okay, good, I'm glad this is happening. Here come the fucking idiots to mess it up. And then, of course, there's the response to the idiots, you know, the, the flaggets. You know, they show up with AK-47s and shit. And what's it turn into? It turns into Berkeley all over again. That was my problem with the protest. Not the fact of the protest. The nonsense that that happened when people saw an opportunity to go in and push an agenda that had nothing to do with anything besides, I'm angry and I'm pissed off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a temper tantrum and make, and make you watch it. I mean, it, it, it was, we've talked about it before. There's, a difference between, there's the difference between a riot and there's a difference between looting you know if police show up on a at a protest and violence breaks out that's one thing if a bunch of people show up get together and start fucking liberating big screen 4k televisions and the latest jordans that's not no that's looting that's that's okay but let's let's take let's take violence out of this though because i was thinking more about the women's march and maybe my memory is not correct on this. I don't remember either one of you guys. I'm not trying to call anyone out, but neither one of you are too thrilled about about the the women's march and other marches like that. Not that they shouldn't be out there doing it, but just what what's your fucking point? Yeah, because it's all hollow and empty, and I'm of the belief that most of those people are there for themselves and not the cause. And a year later, my point is proven. I didn't even know the Women's March happened this year until there were stories about it after the weekend it happened. Uh, I I don't know. I think there was plenty of of press leading up to it. There was the the first Women's March. See, I'm I'm getting my timeline mixed up. 
What happened first, the first women's march or the the the, the march for science? The first women's march. Th- that happened yeah. first. Yeah, that sounds okay. right. Because I remember thinking, okay, it's a women's march. What's your, what's your what is the point? And the point was, we're women. Okay, great. You have a mirror. Wonderful. Now, what is your point? And it, once again, here come people with all these pet issues. I mean, this last women's march. The the there was you know quote unquote leaders of the women's movement calling out white feminists because they have pink pussy hats and not all women have a pink pussy. On top of that, not all women have vaginas, and all this shit. It was like you, you okay, you realize you're making yourselves look fucking silly now, right? The 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 protest of or the the march for science, very clear cut. We don't want your religious bullshit. We don't want your superstition. And science don't give a fuck about your feelings. Real simple. To the point, I could get behind it. I can understand the women's march from when women were, uh, oh shit, was it Ashley Judd was up there? And she was talking about, and this is, this is pre-Me Too, you know, harassment and sexual assault and the fact that we had, what, 2,000 ra- untested rape kits going back two decades sitting here in Detroit. I mean, you know, yeah, all that, yeah. Go out there, march, get pissed off, get something done about it. I totally am with that. But when you're just going to go out and walk around and go, I want to, you know, put electrical tape on your nipples and, and I'm going to do it because I can. Well, you know, that's what children do. What's your point? We're paying attention to you because you're forcing us to. You are the equivalent of a four-year-old laying on the ground, stomping and, and kicking the ground. So everybody in the room has to pay attention to them. If that was your your sole purpose, then hey, it was a rousing success. I just I don't believe that that was the don't case. Don't you have? Uh, isn't there anything to be said for the the freedom in this country to protest whatever you want to to Absolutely. have your petty? No one's saying that you have to take these people seriously, but can't you at least salute the fact that they're expressing themselves in ways that they may not be able to in other countries? Never said that they shouldn't be able to do it. Never said that it was stupid that that they felt the need to do it. I just said, "What is your point?" I mean, yeah. okay, we, there was there was. I just watched a video today. There was two feminists somewhere in the Middle East oh. who hopped up on stage while some whatever their fucking version of priest are. I don't know what they call them. Whatever. I don't give a fuck about fantasy fairy tales enough to memorize it. And they hopped up there, and they got the shit beat out of them. On the fucking stage, like, I'm, t- I'm talking good fellas, go home, get your shine box type stomping on stage by, like, ten men. Okay, those women have fucking balls of fucking steel. They got a dick bigger than any of us. It took guts to do that. Standing in D.C. with a pink pussy hat on, crying about man-spreading, get the fuck out of my face. I'm, so, I'm supposed to take this seriously? That's, that's your biggest issue well, when I ride the subway, men spread their legs farther, wider than women do. Well, you know what, sweetheart? Why don't you get a set of balls and then we'll have that kind of Yeah, because we have balls. You ever been stuck to your leg? I mean, it, come on, man. you got to see the difference between we're looking for something to complain and bitch about and genuine areas of concern. And there's too many people looking for something to bitch about. And yeah, they have every right to go bitch about it. And I got every right to go, y'all are a bunch of fucking idiots. I never said that they have no right to gather, no right to protest. But it's just real issues get lost with these bullshit pet causes 
Why? Because it's what angers people. It's what out, it's what gets people to click the article, to get people to post on social media about it. And if that's if that's that's not solving anything. It's not presenting any a solution to a problem. It's just making more problems. That's my problem with a lot of this shit. Everybody's got their pet cause. I get it. I understand it. All right? But not everybody in the world is going to be exactly in lockstep with your thoughts on that cause. And screaming and throwing temper tantrums about it is not going to help your case. It's I just will still not. hold true to the. I will still hold to my thought that this sucks is not a strategy. I said it last year, the year before that. I'll say it again this year. This sucks. Why does it? Why does it need to be a strategy? I mean, the importance for strategy is obvious, right? If you, if you don't, because, if you, if you want, if you want to have a movement, now if you if you want to have a movement, it's not Pointing always obvious. The obvious to is not it's a not, strategy. It's not always obvious to everyone. It, it it doesn't. It's not. If you want to identify a problem, get a movement together to make change, then speaking out about it is the first step. Identifying the problem is the first step, and. Just because you yes, identify but the see, problem doesn't mean that you are responsible. Hold on. Just identifying the problem doesn't mean that you are then responsible for providing the solution. These are solutions to problems that can't Ezra, be. you and I disagree. If you're going to point out so, the problem. So you're you only least... allowed. So I'm only allowed to complain about Donald Trump being president unless I have a clear solution for removing him from office. Yeah, but, but like that, sure. But you do That's have ridiculous. a solution, Aaron. Aaron That's ridiculous. No, no, no. These solutions to big problems like this are solved by societies. They're not solved by individuals. There are individuals who are able to spearhead movements to actually get people behind them to get shit done, but they are solved by societies. They can... They. Okay, so how you, long are you supposed to stand around and point out the obvious before you take action? This is action. Protest is action. Again, that's where you and I disagree. But like, if, if no everybody your, followed if, your logic, nobody would protest. If there's no point to your protest, then what's the what's the point of it? To get together well, and point out well, the on. obvious? Hold on. The, there, there's a difference between having a point to your protest and having a coalesced, point, like, single point to a protest. In the Women's March, for example, like you're saying, everybody had their pet issue. And that's I agree with that assessment. That doesn't mean that none of those people had a point to their protests. They all had a point. They just didn't. They just weren't all organized. It's the same thing that we've seen with most of these. Like, look at the Tea Party. Tea Party was seen as this movement. And when we realized when somebody wanted to know, well, what does this movement stand for? Everybody involved had a different answer, and so it fell apart. And that doesn't mean that, way, that, 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 that any member, of the, anyone involved in being a, a Tea Party member had a valid point or a concern, or sometimes even a solution. If you don't organize, it doesn't happen. But if you don't speak out, you never organize, and it will never happen. I, Just I don't know. I, I, part of the responsibility it's, it's funny, it's funny of, of protest in this nation is not to have the same an way answer. I look at the the hardcore people on the fringes who went to the to, to the women's marches. It's like you guys aren't there to bring anyone together. You just want to keep driving wedges between people because that's for whatever reason. Either you get off on it, you profit from it. 
it gives you a platform to stand on and sell your shit to people on the internet for whatever reason. Maybe I'm too cynical. I just, it's like, we have enough of that. We have enough of that. I mean, in a, in a million, in a million fucking years, I cannot imagine standing up, looking at a crowd of women and saying, y'all shut up because you're women. But yet, when a woman does it from a stage, oh, that's so brave. No, it's bullshit either way. Tea Party was a fucking joke. That's why it, it I, I got family uh, absolutely. that got pissed because every time I talk about it, I'm like, I don't, you, you, you're down with them teabaggers? That's a, that's a derogatory. Right. What the fuck ever? They're a joke. They're running around acting like they're patriots or something. They're not. We they're haven't in our lifetimes had a significant movement that's made change for their cause. We've seen incremental change, and we can attribute that to different movements, but we haven't seen a, a, a movement like... Uh, I bet there's know, some gay people like, out there who might disagree with you. No, we saw... That was that was a, just a cultural gay change. Gay people have wasn't, leaps and bounds in our lifetime. I mean, you're not hearing me. Okay, so who's the gay icon that caused all that to happen? Who's the one that in history... You were talking about a movement. Yes. Milk? I'm, no, what I'm... <laughs> What I'm talking about is that we haven't... The Tea Party is a joke. Absolutely. Uh, Me Too is a joke. Everything in between has been ultimately a joke. I will still defend all of their rights to do all of this. And wouldn't even... Even to the point where, look, criticize the message, that's fine. Don't criticize the action. Whether you agree with them or not, or... Part of their cause, they believe what they're doing and they are expressing their their rights and their freedom in order to do it. And Aaron, that's more than I'm talking about the the. But what the is the action and, led and Republican to? conventions? And they it had doesn't free matter. It doesn't fucking matter what it leads to. Actually, it kind of does. No, it doesn't. We're talking about basic freedoms here, and that's why this irks me. Criticism of of protests is ridiculous go ahead and and tear down their argument and tell me why they're wrong but if you criticize them for for expressing themselves then you're just wrong and that's just anti-american it doesn't matter if they are right or wrong if they're going to get anything done if they're going to move their cause forward or backward or nowhere at all if they're just spinning in circles Dressed like a fucking idiot. Do you to remember criticize the, the them as un-American? That's my the, opinion. The last election, when we were talking about the the free speech zones, the gated off yes. free free speech zones outside of the yes. conventions that were sometimes, you know, up to a mile away, where they said, "Okay, you can protest here." I remember clearly all of us scoffing and laughing our asses off because, excuse me, every place is a free fucking speech zone in this country. Absolutely. All right. I can't. Maybe my memory is failing me. All right. I can't remember ever saying, well, they have no right to protest. No, I get where you're saying. No, neither if, of you have said either of that. But when you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It, it, and maybe this is on me. And fuck it. Fuck it. I'll put it on my shoulders and I'll clarify myself. It's not if, I've, if I've come off. As I'm criticizing them for going out and protesting, that's not what it, that's not what I meant to say. I think a lot of what I they're protesting, or these issues that come up, 
I'm like, really, in the grand scheme of things, this is, once again, to use a popular phrase, this is the hill you're choosing to die on? Really? There's not bigger issues at stake here? And issues that affect more than just a tiny number of people? I mean, I, I, I have, I, we've, we've talked about it before. I do not understand Western feminists and their complete past they give Islam. I don't understand it. Because any... If 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 any Catholics, Baptists, what the fuck ever pulled half the shit in this country or anywhere in the West that Islam pulls on women, these women would fucking stroke the fuck out. Rightfully so, by the way. Yet when Islam does it, it's no big deal. It's in fact it's racist mm -hmm. to criticize them. First of all, being Muslim isn't a race; it's a fucking choice. It's a religion. So you're wrong there. Let's start with that. But you you can't get to you, you can't in, you can't penetrate this fucking bubble of bullshit that surrounds these people because they're going to argue with you. No, it's racist. Well, if we can't even agree on what the fuck Islam is, then we how can we have a conversation here? Like I just don't I don't that is what irks me the most. Isn't mm -hmm. we've talked about it on this podcast? If if there's one to me at least me if there's one underlying theme in all 223 episodes, it's to be as hypocrisy-free as possible. To not give a pass because you like this person or come down harder on this person because you don't like them. No, bullshit. Call it out when you see it. And it, to me, this is, this is these, the, that was the main problem with the women's protest. They're up there going, everybody who is in America who isn't here and doesn't support us is evil and misogynistic and blah, 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 blah. And all of what... One person raised her hand. Uh, what about, you know, like when a woman gets raped in Muslim-run countries under Shia law and they stone her to death? Shut up, racist. What? Really? Mansplaining stone to death for being raped. Hmm. Mm. Maybe it's because uh, I, I guess live in, uh, in a world where those are equal. Let me, this is what I, I hear. Okay. What I hear from you guys is that you fully support the right for anyone to protest as long as they have a clear message, are unified, and are right. No, they have a right to go out there and be an idiot. You have every but if right you don't to. have a, if you don't have a, if you eventually don't have a point to what you're doing, how do you expect to be taken seriously? Or if you're a, if you're a fucking That's hypocrite, that's a completely about different issue. Shit. Nobody has to take you seriously. You don't have to take them seriously. Exactly. I. The women who legit across the board, whether I agree with them or not, give nobody a pass just based on where they're at in the in the in the oppression totem pole, and call out bullshit to everybody's face when they see it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I can get behind that. Well, woman, look. man, it doesn't matter. The problem is, is that you had a protest that it was set up and and positioned. And basically gerrymandered to the point where if you said anything negative about it, well, then you hate women. You want to force rape victims to have their uh, rapist babies and all this shit. That's, that's not fucking true. I'm criticizing the fact that why are, is, is something as dumb as manspreading or mansplaining being talked about more than human rights violations against people? What about... What about, you know, the, the, the education inequality in other parts of the world between males and females? 
These are all big, important issues that that march could have drawn a lot more attention to if it wasn't for the noisy, squeaky fucking wheels and their pet issues. That's who I have the problem with. And yes, they have. God damn it, they got every motherfucking right to be out there doing it. It doesn't mean I got to agree with it. And it doesn't mean that I have to, it, it, just because I don't agree with it, it means I want to take their right to protest away. I've never said that. This is the problem I run into. People go, I don't like something, shut it down. He doesn't have a right to say that. It takes a lot for me to say you don't have a right to do something. I mean, a lot. We're talking, basically, you have to start harming other people. And the problem with that is, is that I'm fighting people who want to take everybody's right away from them to say something they don't like. And you, it's it, you're starting off at a disadvantage because you have to fight for their right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And to say that. So, ultimately... It doesn't matter what you do because you just get caught up in a fucking cir- uh, just bullshit circle of, yes, you, you feel this way. You feel that men are evil or, or, or it, you know, Christianity is, is evil and Islam's great. More power to you. You have every right to say it. And I will never try to take that right away from you. And if someone tries to take that right away from you, I will fight right alongside you for your right to say that. But it doesn't mean I have to fucking fall in lockstep and agree with it. I just, I guess, you know, we agree on a lot of this stuff. You know, I know that we're we're arguing over this finer point, and this isn't the first time that we've had this conversation. Um, it, your, the assessment of the uh, the protests and the fragmented nature of it and the ridiculousness, of, I'm right there with you on all of that. Um, and that's why these have been, uh, you know, the, a number of unsuccessful movements ultimately it's just that i feel so purely about the freedom of expression that that in and of itself should never be criticized in my mind i mean you're free to criticize it if you want but i see it as being hypocritical you want to enjoy your freedoms you know a, a protest is always a good thing because it's just a good thing that it is possible whether you think it's effective or makes any sense or anything like that is completely separate from that and you know again pick apart the the argument point out the hypocrisies that's great that's what we should be doing these are the conversations that we should be having about these issues to too, I, I like it, it as wasted some, energy that could have went into in, in in a different direction okay. yes a poor use of resources absolutely you know but and you know some of the this isn't just about you guys right I mean you you're the, you're the guys that I talk to about this there's plenty of people out there that are saying Similar things. So I'm not trying to put any words in your mouth. But you're not alone in the criticism of these protests. And, well, okay, so I'll take a perfect example. Adam Carolla. That's somebody that you and I both listen to regularly, Chris. And a typical comment from him is, well, you know, you notice that these are just, you know, the people without jobs. Nothing better to do. I mean, he's welcome to that opinion. But that's where he really rubs me raw. Can to, I ask a question make, here ju- real quick? To, to make, try and make individual judgments of it. Well, this person's a loser. That person probably didn't vote. This person probably doesn't have a job. You don't fucking know. They are just, for whatever reason and however, with whatever resources they have, they are out there expressing their freedom. I just, I just, if you can't, I just if you can't appreciate that in it, 
just as a as a pure thing, regardless of the message, then I don't know what it is that you're really fighting for, because that is one of the, the purest concepts in America. I just want to point out the absolute bullshit in the fact that when you had the Occupy Wall Street mm-hmm. protest, sit in, live in, whatever the fuck they ended up calling it, the Women's March, Anytime Black Lives Matter, Any Gay Rights March, the criticism I hear from people who aren't down with what those people are protesting is, well, it's because they're a bunch of fucking losers, don't have a fucking job, they got time to protest. How come I didn't hear that about yes. the Tea Party? Right. How come that criticism, those idiots were running around with tea bags hanging off of fucking straw hats that they fucking picked up off the, you know, the set of green acres? Give me a fucking break. Well, to be fair, me, in their case, it was still true. You're telling me the fucking toothless jet over there who can't spell moron correctly on a fucking <laughs> protest sign with his I have that American, American Good job, Moran. <laughs> yeah, Moran. Get a, my favorite is get a brain, Moran. Oh, oh that, that's what it was. Get a brain, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, you're telling me that motherfucker is missing work right now? No. That motherfucker's probably collected more welfare than I will ever, than all three of us put together will ever fucking collect. And that's just to that point when they took, in his life, where they took that picture, which has got to be at least 10 years old now. So how much more is he sponged off the system? I, don't, don't, don't get it okay, twisted. It's, it's bullshit either way. I, that's a, to me, well, that is criticizing people because you don't want to address the point they have. Well, a bunch of jobless losers get together and protest. Don't them, mm-hmm. don't them uppity Negroes got a job to go to? Okay, so obviously you don't want to talk about anything that they brought up. And yeah, there are flaws in their argument. And I will point that out. And I get called racist. You hate black people. You're a cop apologist. And I'm like, me? A cop apologist? It's like when you call me a Trump supporter. I'm like, have you met me? Right. But it's just, once again, the bullshit flows both ways. And it flows way too fucking freely. And the problem is, is that I think criticism of the bullshit can be taken as criticizing those people getting together. Because, look, whether I agree with the Tea Party or not, which from the vast majority of their shit and their views, I did. But it started off with people genuinely concerned about an issue. And then it got taken over by the fucking, show me the fucking birth certificate, dumbasses. Right. You know, it's the same, it's the flip side of the same coin with, hey, we're going to go, you know, have a march for women to bring light to these issues and then here come the pussy patrol and the pink mafia you know man spreading shut up bitch are you serious we're trying to do something serious over here and you're gonna come over here with this i mean aaron if you're up there if if i if i stuck a mic in your face it's the equivalent of if i said here's a mic everyone in the world's gonna hear what you got to say and you're like what up pookie want to give a shout out to ray ray i mean it'd be dude you're wasting your opportunity here and to say, you well, you can't criticize him. It's his right to say that. Of course it's his fucking right. No one's arguing that point. But he pissed away an opportunity, and yet, hate to say it, Aaron, you'd come off like a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did. No other way to put it. I could think to put, that's as polite as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And I, But once again, well, the problem is just because I'm not, just because I don't agree 100% with shit that was happening to women marches doesn't mean I don't agree with a lot of what they got to say and I'm down with correcting these fucking issues I, I, but I, it, once again 
the vast, I guarantee you the vast majority of women that were there weren't running around painting their face like with their period blood, like war paint, you know, running around topless talking about men can do it so we can do it. And, you know, no, these and, are the and, ones that get attention. The, the crazy exactly. ones get, the, get attention. Yes, the vast majority were out there and are probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Jesus fucking Christ. It's like Chris Rock said. They had the Million Man March. Marion Barry was there. It means in even their proudest moment, black people got a crackhead on stage. you got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, that's how it's it's how I, that's probably how they felt. They probably were thinking the same thing I'm thinking. But if they speak out about it, we know what happens. You do, you can't question the 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 the, the tribe. You have to go a hundred percent along with it. No, you don't. It's very easy to go. We're here to protest how women are treated around the world, inequality, et cetera, et cetera. This bitch is off her medication. Has nothing to do with us. If you want to put her on TV and act like that's what's going on at this protest for the for the most part, that's on you. And even I wasn't even if I drank from the Kool-Aid of fuck fuck the women's march, even if I drank real deep, I still wasn't dumb enough to think that that was the majority of what was going on out there. Well, I'd like to actually kind of pick apart the Me Too movement, or at least the current state of it cuz this is kind of a perfect example of some of the things that we've been talking about. It's a, a topic that I, I think we would all imagine would be pretty cut and dry as sexual assault. You know, it's something that I think we could all easily identify if we were called to, to, to understand what, what the difference is between, you know, consensual sex, weird sex, failed dates, all on one side... <laughs> Of, of the spectrum versus, you know, people being forcibly raped or fondled or, you know, pressured in some way, blacklisted, all of this stuff. But, I mean, what is... Yeah, I'd like to share my I, rule that seems to have kept me out of hot water. Your sexual yeah, like assault with the re- Yes, with the rest of the class. Gentlemen, your penis... Should only come out by request or be taken out by somebody else. That solves that's, all of this. That's how I've always done it. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. it's been my it's but, been my standard operating procedure. Seemed but, to work out well for me. Uh, but well, let's look at some of the more, a bunch of men who don't agree. Right. <laughs> if we look at some of the more recent stories about this movement, um. I sent you guys one. I don't know if you've had a chance to look it over because it was right before we uh, started. But there was a, uh, a California assemblywoman, which I don't, what does an assembly man or woman, an assembly person even do? I'm not even sure what that is. But uh, her name's Christina Garcia. She's considered part of the Me Too movement because she's been speaking out of, uh, on these things and was even featured on. Uh, Oh, what was there's uh, like Time or one of the one of the big magazines still left on the planet did a, a feature on the Me Too movement and she was featured as one of the faces of it and she's had accusations now made against her so now she's getting she went from being uh, somebody speaking up for the Me Too movement to somebody now being accused of sexual assault a word what was she like. Take that dick out. And he said, no. Right. Uh, Excuse me, too. Well, you tell, <laughs> pretty, 
pretty much grabbed his crotch, according to the article. So, yeah. Yeah. So there was a softball game, some kind of company case scenario softball for game. Dudes? Uh, there was <laughs> there's a gentleman who said that he was going to, I think he said that he was going to go clean out the dugout. And I was like, is that a euphemism? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> the nappy <And> dugout. She- <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> So, well, I just got to find some of these quotes. These these are actually kind of amusing, I find. Um, she she approached, so this assemblywoman approached this, uh, what is his name? I can't find it here, but he's nobody. Who cares? He, <laughs> he was approached by her. She was drunk and coming on to him. And uh, so she came back and was whispering real close. And I could smell the booze. And she was pretty far gone. And uh, she looked at me for a second and said, I've set a goal for myself to fuck you. <laughs> At that point, Garcia stepped in front of me and reaches out and is grabbing my crotch. He said, that was a line in the sand. I was four inches from her, eyeball to eyeball. And I oh, said, you sh- you should have shut, said don't, you released- hey, shut up. Don't step on the, don't step on the punchline. <laughs> now I got to reset. I was four inches from her, eyeball to eyeball, and I said, that ain't going to happen. That was in response to her saying, I set a goal to myself that I'm going to fuck you. She said he was at least eight inches from her. (laughs) Are you more than seven inches? (laughs) Um, That's his his fucking story? I just looked this up. Yeah. She's she's all you guys. Oh, Uh, Oh, boy. What's her name? First of all, honey, that hairstyle went out with with Marsha Clark and uh, Christina, California Assemblywoman Christina Garcia is what I put in, and it pulled up a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> okay, so okay, for, forgive me, but what is her response? Is this is she going? Oh, this never happened. Uh, let's see. Because I'll be honest with you, you sent the article kind of late. I skimmed it, but I, I haven't like sat and read. No, it. I know. Good for uh, So, like, are we drinking in this scenario? Like, how many well, have she I was, had? According to <laughs> Chris. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, they don't have. Uh, I don't see a statement so, in here. So, is this like the, the Saturday Night Live sketch? Like, if she'd be like super hot, is this? Does this guy not go into the press? And it oh. ends with you know him fucking her. Wait, well, you think like you know, I, it would it wouldn't happen like this. Like, like remember, it's Tom Brady. I would have fucked harassment. I totally would have so, fucked you, but yeah. you came on to me too strong. Yeah. So now, like, no, that ain't. So she looks happen. like Giselle. This guy fucks her. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't. I I understand we have to fucking take the low hanging comedy fruit. Doesn't fucking matter what she looks like. If she did this shit, she's out of fucking line. And I'm gonna say this: he she didn't rape the guy. All right. Yeah. If she grabbed his crotch, that's sexual assault. Charge her with that and move on. I mean, I if I would be a huge hypocrite to say, oh, an unwanted. A sexual advance from a guy to a to a to a woman. 
and they ruined the guy's life. He's blacklisted from his you know career of choice. He can never work in that industry again. And I'm like, that's just too much. I kind of feel the same way. She's drunk. She obviously thought this, there was some vibe there that wasn't. I mean, I want to know how drunk she was because I, I'm not Donald Trump. I don't go up and just grab pussy. Well, and right, but she, I mean, she was trying to be presidential. If this, if this guy, so if this guy looked you in, it looked, if this guy looked me in the eye and said, "Well, I had to tell my story because I couldn't sleep at night," I don't think I could stop laughing. Well, like, look, I, you, I, like, I, this, I, this is assault, yeah, but this isn't trauma. Haven't we all had, as guys, you know, you're at the bar, you're with your friends, it's a mixed crowd as far as male and females. Haven't you had a girl grab your ass, grab your crotch, you know, do something above and be like in a joking manner? But maybe not even 100% joking, maybe like, you know, 75% joking, 25%. I'm just drunk enough to where if you show some interest, this might happen. Yeah. I mean, I grabbed a friend's tits one time, but I was on a lot of acid. (laughs) (laughs) And I apologized afterward. I am so sorry for grabbing your tits. But these sugar cubes ain't no bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) My defense, they look like teddy bears. Oh, wait, titty bears. But, well, hey, you know, also, I, in my I, defense, I wasn't trying to come on to her at the time. I was just ranting about something in general. You know, we had a reunion in 2011 of a bunch of people from school. And one of the girls that were there, one of the women that were there, uh, she did something. She put her hand on my face. She was like, oh, my God, your lips are so soft. And I was like, Thanks. I, I don't I don't is that a compliment I guess she's like I don't know kiss me and find out and so I kiss her she's like god your, your lips are really soft that's most guys are chapped and dry and my buddy goes well what about me now <laughs> ever clear the real shit 198 proof had been taken to the head by multiple people at this party before this so I just oh, turned around and laid boy. one on him and said there you go motherfucker anything else to say <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, my dick's soft. My, I better get my dick softer than his lips. <laughs> now, I mean, should, should, should I be off the podcast? Should, is that a hashtag me too on his part? <laughs> you know, That's unwanted. I mean, I, he, what about me? Sounds like an invitation. I guess the lines got crossed. <laughs> 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 but no, I mean, I, look, I, once again, the, the whole Me Too thing started out very legit. I think too many people are trying to force issues that aren't really, that shouldn't really be under the Me Too hashtag, under the Me Too hashtag to get more attention to them. Case in I'd point, say- we're talking about the Uma Thurman with Quentin Tarantino. Right. I have no I- idea how making... Making, okay, first of all, making, in air quotes, her do a stunt herself that ended up with her being injured equates to me too. I have no idea. It doesn't. And I think that's the thing is that when Uma Thurman was asked about this originally, she said, look, I've got something to say, but I'm too angry to talk about it right now. This just isn't the time. And I think if I were to imagine her thoughts on this 
I think that she she had a story to tell about Hollywood, and part of that falls under the umbrella of Me Too. Like, she was sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. That's how it ties into Me Too. Uh, The other part of that is a more specific story about how women are treated in Hollywood. And, you know, so I started, like, seeing all these tweets and stuff about how, like, oh, Quentin Tarantino choked Uma Thurman and spit in her face. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, if you actually read the interview with her and she talks about this, it, it, it is mentioned that as part of the the filming of Kill Bill, that the scene where, um, oh, I forget which character spits in her face in the movie. Oh, Michael Madsen's character. I can't remember his yes. name, though. Yeah, so he's supposed to spit in her face in the movie. And there's also another scene where, where she's fighting the, the little Chinese girl with the fucking chain and whips it around her neck and it starts tugging on her. Apparently... It was Quentin Tarantino that did the spitting and the pulling on the chain, right? I mean, when you just say Quentin Tarantino choked in, choked Irma Thurman and spat on her, it sounds like, whoa, she was assaulted. Yeah, he's into some kinky shit. Right. I mean... No, and, and by the way, this isn't somebody anything had new to- on a Quentin Tarantino set during Inglorious, the filming of Inglorious Bastards. There's the scene where... Uh, uh, oh, Christopher, whatever his name is, uh, who played the the the, the Jew hunter, uh, is choking Diane Kruger's character. Mm-hmm. And apparently, after discussion, she said, well, "Let's, you know, we can film the scene. I want it to be to look realistic." Quentin Tarantino agreed with her, and she said, "And Christopher, Christopher Walser, I can't remember his name, but he was like." I'm yeah. not really comfortable doing this. And him and Diane Kruger sat down and talked. She said, okay, I'll let Quentin do it. Right. And, I mean, I look, is it an extreme place to go to get a performance out of somebody? Yes. But the stunts that she was doing, her stunt double in that film, Uma Thurman now, her stunt double is a, a, a stunt woman named Zoe Bell. She's been hurt doing numerous stunts. And where is the outcry that, you know, oh, these directors made her do this? No, no one. This is what's lost. She's the, the, the coach driver in Hateful Eight. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah that's her. Um, Uma Thurman could have just looked at Quentin Tarantino and said, I'm not driving the fucking car in this scene, period. End of mm-hmm. discussion. Who's your second choice to play the bride? <laughs> Because we well, filmed two movies worth of shit. I'm not doing this. You'll have to refilm them. I don't and even could, see this the as... End of it. I don't really even see this as extreme. Like It's not like Uma was doing a scene with somebody and Quentin ran by and spat in her face in the middle of it without warning just to get a reaction shot from her. Like It's in the fucking script. You know, you get choked with a chain and you, your face gets spit on and she signs up for that and somebody's got to do that. I know it might not see it. I might, it might seem weird to somebody that the director was the one doing that. I don't, it doesn't seem that weird to me because it, we're, we're not seeing the, the, you know, the person on the other end doing the action. All we need to get is a reaction from Uma Thurman on it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it, I don't know. Well, they, I, I there's, also, if, there's also... If, if those are scenes is, that you only want to do once, right? You'd want to do them with the director. 
You want to make sure that you get that scene where you get choked with the chain on the first take, hopefully. Yeah. And, and not leave it up to not leave it up to the other actor that you're working with to just do it right and do exactly what the what the director's looking for. So let the fucking director do it. Once again, so this is gonna to me, this face. is her she told a story about getting injured doing her own stunt. And people have applied their agenda to her story. Yes. In when in reality, you know, the the truth, facts, those pesky fucking things, those hate facts. Uh, how many times have we heard about Tom Cruise being injured on the set of all six fucking Mission Impossible films because he insists on doing his own stunts? Well, but those are two different things. You know, Tom Cruise is proud of doing his own stunts and goes out of his way to get that message out there. He likes doing his own stunts. And Uma Thurman was pressured into doing a stunt that she did not want to do. Yeah, but okay... Maybe it okay, still I, I has totally nothing to do with that. me too. I, I totally understand that. And that. But see, now I just flash back to watching a documentary about the making of Seven when David Fincher told Brad Pitt, I want you to chase Kevin Spacey in this scene and run over top of these cars. And of course, if you've seen Seven, except for the end, it's constantly raining in that movie. Mm-hmm. And Brad Pitt was like, can't we get the stuntman to do it? And he's like, I want to get close-up shots of you while you're doing it. I need you to do this. And he was kind of like, all right. And what happened? He was running across the car. He fell. His left hand went through a windshield, and he fucked himself up real bad. That's how come for the rest of the movie, if you ever notice, he's got a bandage on his hand because they had to cover it up. I mean, he actually had surgery. Mm -hmm. Along the same lines, Quentin Tarantino, yet again, same thing happened with Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Django. Or... uh, what is it? Unchained? Yeah, Django Unchained. Django Unchained, yes. Yeah. Um, when he slammed that glass down during the dinner scene, he split his fucking hand wide open and just kept going. Damn. I mean, that's real blood. I didn't like, know when that. He wipes, when he wipes it on, what's her face? The, uh, uh, the, the, I forget her name in the movie, but in, her, in the actress's name. When he goes up to her and he grabs her face, that's his blood on her face. He, Damn. Quentin Tarantino just kept rolling because, and they said, why? And he said, because he didn't stop acting. If he just stopped, I'd have stopped rolling. But he kept going. And I can picture Quentin Tarantino saying that. Yeah. I mean, that's when it comes, Hollywood's fuck. First of all, actors are fucking weird people. People that want to pretend they're other people for a living. It's just kind of strange to me. I mean, I'm glad they're there, but it's just strange. But there is a long history of uh, method actors. I mean... I, Apparently, Daniel Day-Lewis is an, an insufferable cocksucker on a movie set because he never comes out of character. Like, when he filmed mm-hmm. Lincoln, he was walking around on his cell phone talking as Lincoln. It's like, come on, man. Seriously, we get it. You're dedicated to your craft. That's but ridiculous. Seriously. Lincoln would never talk on a cell phone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's... It, it, I, I get it. I understand it. I understand what she's saying. Look, I felt pressured into doing it. I, I, yeah, I don't. No, I'm not discrediting with, her story. I, I, I don't I, agree with the, anyone uh, to make it into it. Breaking news, guys! The government has officially shut down. Oh no! What are we going to do? Did we have to stop the podcast? <laughs> what are we going to do till Monday when it comes back? And they come up with another three week uh, stopgap measure, and then we're back to this point another three weeks from now. Yeah. 
But I just, I guess my beef with it is the people who are trying to act like, oh, well, this was a male director forcing a female actress to do something she didn't want to do. Then guess what, folks? You don't ever want to visit a movie set. It happens male, female, regardless. It happens to actors all the time. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's it, the, from something as benign as the scene in, the chestburster scene in Alien, no one knew that was coming besides John Hurt. And the people who had who were filming the crew, to like I described the Brad Pitt thing and this in this Uma Thurman situation, you know, she lost control of a car during a shot, fucked her ankles and her her uh, knees and her back up. And I mean, Quentin Tarantino said himself their relationship was harmed quite a bit by it. Man. And they finally sat down, and he gave her the footage that Harvey Weinstein said destroy. He had the right. car destroyed. He wanted to erase all proof of this shit, which just proves how much of a fucking scumbag he is. Mm-hmm. You hear that the star of one of your fucking best directors in your in your studio stable is hurt on a, on a, on a film in a scene, and the first thing you think is cover your ass. No, fuck that. First thing I'm thinking is, is she all right? She okay? Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino has come out and said his side of the story. I don't know if you've read this, but um, he. He talks about having this, you know, shot where she's got to go 40 miles down, 40 miles an hour down the straight stretch of road. And it's got to be 40 because, you know, they can speed it up to make it look like she's going faster. But if if her hair, because she's in a convertible, mm-hmm. if her hair doesn't blow the right way, it's not, it's going to look ridiculous. You know, you can't make her look like she's going 80 miles an hour. And her look, hair is look, just kind of... Benny Hill shot. Right. And he's like, you got to get up to 40 miles an hour to get your hair moving right for the shot. But it's a straight shot. I, I drove it myself, and it won't be a problem. Well, what he explains is that, you know, he was talking this over with the stunt director and everything, and he's like, well, what's the issue with this road? Like, let me do it in this car and see how hard this is. And he went down it one way, and then he said, that was nothing. You know, it was a straight shot. It was easy. We don't need a stunt person for this. I want to get her in the car, right? Then he goes back to Uma, starts pressuring her. This is not going to be a problem. This is an easy shot. You know, I only need you to get up to 40 miles an hour. It's a straight shot. Well, during that process, his DP and lighting guy are going, eh, the sun's over here now, and you know what? We should really spin this shot around and, and take it from the other angle. So they get set up on the other side of the street. And I don't really understand what he's saying at this point, but it, he said he didn't realize that when coming at the down the stretch from the other direction, there was a little S in there that wasn't as evident the other way. I don't know what that really means, but it seemed to throw him off. And who, let's face it, probably not a great driver. <laughs> like, I think any one of us would have been fine going down that 40-mile stretch and not touching our brakes once. But she... Why, why would Uma Thurman have to be a great driver? You know, what what are actors? They're either in in cities where they have transportation and cabs, or somebody's driving them around. Yeah, exactly. So I, he he does take responsibility for it, and I I understand the dynamic between what happened with between Uma Thurman and Quentin Tarantino. Everybody taking it, and running with it, and saying, well. You know that this is irresponsible of Quentin Tarantino to put his 
uh, an actor in his care in a dangerous situation. No, that, that wasn't it. It wasn't this cut and dry story of like, you know, director who is just wants to get his shot no matter what. And, uh, and an actor who is, you know, trying to, to stand up for themselves and getting, and getting steamrolled by their own director. They had a, they had a, it seems like they had a deeper relationship than even that. And, you know, this is, this is an event in a friendship between two people, right? Yeah, that for, from everything I've heard, seriously put a strain on their friendship for quite a few years afterwards. Yeah. I mean, she, she harbored some, some serious, you know, ill will towards them because apparently the injuries she suffered are, are the type that, you know, they get better, they never fully heal. And mm-hmm. I can understand that too. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, it's human nature to want to deflect blame, but ultimately you got behind the wheel of that car. Some of this lies on you. Not all of it, but some of it. All right. I mean, I, and I can't, it, I, I get where they're trying to, to can make the, the connection between point A and point B of, well, this is a male in power using his power to manipulate a female actress. Unfortunately, that argument falls apart in the face of read up, do your homework on Quentin Tarantino and his actors. Mm. It's not just and, Uma Thurman who he's done this to. And there is there is part of this where you one may try and uh, and place legitimate blame on Quentin Tarantino being complacent, where after she was assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, she talked to Quentin Tarantino about it and and he kind of laughed it off. Um, I think the way Uma Thurman put it is that uh, he was just thinking, oh, that's Harvey, always trying to get women he can't get. And, you know, he came on a little strong, but Quentin Tarantino didn't see enough problem with that, at least in it, to stop, you know, letting Harvey uh, produce his movies. But if you want to put that blame on Quentin Tarantino for that reason, then there's pretty much nobody in Hollywood that's safe. Well, that's that's another part of the problem I'm having with this whole Me Too slash Time's Up shit is how deep well, down the rabbit hole Franco. do you want to go? Yeah. Well, I think that's why it, we have to... You got Me because someone did nude scenes that they concre- concre- contractually agreed to? Mm-hmm. And that's why these are two different stories to me. There's a woman's experience in Hollywood, and then there's a woman's experience in, you know, take your pick, their job on the bus, walking down the street, what have you. Those are two different things. Which, how many of these actual real women do you think the money from Time's Up is going to get to? My my money's on, like, zero. Or maybe, no, maybe one a year. So they get some good press. Time's Up is the charity that Oprah started uh, for... Uh, oh, okay. Regular, for quote unquote regular women. So well, that they, I, I don't know. I mean, like, another another part of the the issue is is that that's a, that's a big if. I mean, that's that's a baseless accusation. Another major part of this whole issue movement reckoning, if that's if you that's the way you want to go with it, whatever you want to call it, is. And this is, to me, a legit, this is a legit complaint, all right? It's hard to prove sexual assault. Not ra- I mean, it's, it's hard to prove rape, especially when you have police departments 
administering rape kits and then snow, you know, mothballing them for decades. But the 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 the, the latest push I'm hearing is to lower the bar for the burden of proof to start prosecuting people who sexually assault others. And that's where it yeah, gets into that's where it gets into scary territory for me because the burden of proof is on the accuser. All right. And we can't have a legal system that says when it comes to every single thing, this is the standard except for this. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The the problem was never in the law. It's not like we had Sharia law in this country and we just didn't think that women had these rights. It's the, We have a capable system to take care of this. The problem lies in the culture, not in the laws that the culture made. But it goes back to what we talked about before. The people who are, who are wanting the bar to be lowered for, for the ability to prosecute easier are the same people that the minute they get to something they don't like, they want to legislate it away. And <clears throat> that's yeah. at direct odds with me go, and how I feel of, look, yeah, sometimes we need to make laws, but that's, that's all- that should not be the first fucking yeah. opening shot of the war. That should be the final shot of the war. We've tried everything else. It's the only way we can do this. Right. You know, and you Proves say to me that it's the it sounds, only way. Well, if you, yeah, but think about it. If you say that to someone who is a rape survivor or a sexual assault survivor, th- I can understand where they're going to go. Well, man, fuck you. Why the fuck shouldn't it? You know, blah, blah. I, I, you look, you got every right to feel indignant and be pissed off. I understand. But the problem is, is that when we start compartmentalizing the law and saying, well, this crime gets this level, you know, you have to lower the bar for this crime so we can throw more people in prison for it. Where does it stop? Because once that starts, it's not going to stop. It's like anything else. It's, 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 it's one of the arguments that libertarians make that I tend to agree with a lot. Once they start taking your rights, they're looking for the next one they can take from you. Once they start legislating morality, they're looking for the next fucking moral outrage to be able to throw some laws up and squeeze more money out of you for. And it it sucks. It's an imperfect system. The culture behind it's fucked up. Case in point, shit's going on with Michigan State University. Fuck MSU. The shit that goes on in college athletics as far as college athletes and it doesn't even have to be sexual assault. It could just be a fight at the bar, whatever. The cops get called. The guy goes, you know who I am? I'm starting blah, blah, blah for blah, blah, blah. The call's made to the athletic department. There's a handshake, maybe some money exchanges hands, the charges are dropped, and, it, and it's just swept under the rug. That's bullshit. I don't give a fuck that you can throw a ball, catch a ball, or put a ball through a hoop. That doesn't mean shit to me. If you're out there wilding the fuck out, assaulting people, sexually or otherwise, breaking the law, you need to fucking face the same, the same fucking consequences that i would because believe me if i go to out tonight after we're done go to the bar get drunk and beat the shit out of somebody i'm not going to call you guys and be like you guys are gonna be like oh wait a minute he does a podcast with us you can't arrest him come on let him go but if i played for msu or u of m chances are pretty good well well, you don't understand the the type of pressures that come upon a podcaster you know we're out, we're, we're out here every week giving 110 percent to our podcast and you know we gotta we gotta blow off steam every once in a while and see that's where that's where when it when i hear people say things like 
rape culture. As cringy of a statement is, or as a phrase as those two words put together have turned into, I totally understand the genesis of it, where it came from, mm-hmm. and I get it. But I, once again, it's like saying white privilege. It's a misnomer. It's not rape culture. It's people in places of power, people who basically, what can you do for me? Oh, you play for my favorite school or my school I went to? Then I'm going to do you a favor and sweep, and sweep this under the rug for you. That's the fucking issue. Right. right. It's not... It, the the rapist, the sexual assaulter, is that's a just a, a specific type of person, right? I don't. I, I feel like we would all be safe in saying that there's no circumstances that could put us in a situation where we'd be forcing ourselves upon a woman, right? These it just takes a certain personality type to think that way. That's always going to be a problem. And that's why we have laws against things like that. The cultural problem is in the looking the other way or just not prioritizing that enough. Yeah, it's 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 almost like, you know, I, I, I would say celebrity worship, but it, right. you don't even have to be a celebrity if you have enough money. So I don't... To, to people are willing right. to make excuses for other people because you want them to keep doing whatever it is they're doing. Keep singing yeah. the song, catching the ball, voting the way I want, I, making exactly. the movies that I want to see. And I mean, the response to it is, it, it, and rightfully so, people should be outraged by the fact that just because you can catch a ball better than 99.9% of the rest of people on the planet, that you get a pass up to and including murder, depending on who you talk about, if you want to talk about the O.J. Simpson case, um, they, they, yeah, you should be outraged at that. But the, the, the reaction of just there's no bar. An accusation is as good as a conviction. Now you're done. Your whole career is over with. Your life is fucking over with. You're a pariah. You're a leper to society. The best thing for you to do would be stick a gun in your mouth, pull a fucking trigger, and do the world a favor. That type of attitude is just as much bullshit. And once again, it's not the sexy thing to say. You say that and people go, oh, so you're all for rapist walking. You're for women being abused, huh? No, stop trying to put words in my mouth to fit your agenda that you walked into this room with. That's my issue. It's no different than if they walked in and said, oh, so what? So you, if they're an athlete and they get accused of something, just throw them in prison just because they're an athlete? Oh, if someone who has money gets accused of something, throw yeah, them in they're prison? Always, they're always doing dumb shit. He probably did something illegal anyway. Exactly. And, and it's, it's the balance. And, it, you know, the, the more the more I do... I talk to people, and the more I talk to people about issues like this, I realize there is a very large, God, I hate to use this term, but it's it's apt, a silent majority of people who feel just like we do about there needs to be a balance because these idiots on the far side trying to pull everybody to their side and attack anyone who isn't on their side are just, they're fucking horrible. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're, 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 they, they both come from places i look i understand where outrage comes from and people you know i 
I, I want to change shit. I want shit to change now because I've been through it or a family member's been through it. I get that. But at the same time, we can't expedite justice just because it happened to you. We can't right. ram it, shit through because it affected your family. It's like, we need to have a conversation about this. A national conversation. Man says, well, I think, shut up. Nobody asked you. The women are going to have a conversation about this, and you're just going to listen. Well, we have gotten to the point where we're just wallowing in hypocrisy when it comes to that. Rochelle Riley, a, a, a columnist for the Detroit News, there's a uh, John Conyers congressman around here. He retired, admits some scandals of sexual assault. Yeah, yeah uh, me too. But, but he but he claims he retired because of his health. So you know, whatever. And just like it's they tend fucking to, ninety. Just like yeah, it tends being, to happen. Being accused of sexual assault was uh, fucking with his blood pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and just like it happens way too often, for whatever reason, these people think we're in like medieval England or something, and he wants his son to fucking run for his congressional seat. Yeah. Well, there's a mayor out of the city of Westland City I used to live in, William Wilde. He's running for that seat. So Rochelle Riley goes in to work at the Detroit News, writes an article saying, we can't elect this white man to John Conyers' congressional seat because he's white. Yeah, white mayor, bitch. First thing I thought. Excuse me? And what fucking planet could you imagine a national newspaper saying, we can't elect this black man, this white woman, whatever the fuck, because they're black, they're a woman. Yeah, if somebody wrote a story that says that this black man shouldn't be in office because he it's not possible for him to represent white people. Exactly. That's basically what she's saying, that a white person can't represent black people. And that flies in the face of That's the, eight years, the eight years of the teabaggers going, not my president, and every black person who supported Obama going, yes, he is, whether you like it or not, he represents you. He's the president of the United States. Well, he did. A, he he was able to represent people who, oh my God, were a different skin tone than him. Happens all the fucking time. But the fact that we are so we've been shouted down so much for just calling out hypocrisy, because no one no one wants to be called racist or sexist. I, hell in a handbasket, man. It, 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 that's what I. It's I look at this shit and I go, really. The t- telling the truth has become a hate crime. Calling this look, look, lady, I don't know. I don't know if this bitch is fucking racist. I don't know. But that wasn't a very fucking inclusive statement she made. I can gan- goddamn well fucking say that. And if I heard some jackass say it in the reverse, I'd say the same fucking thing. Well, but, she's the one who successfully well, changed the Kid Rock narrative. He gets booed well, at Pistons games now. Well. Hey, thankfully, we're finally getting uh, a movie with the black lead and, an all, and mostly black cast. I mean, it's about oh, time. It's, yeah. And the, and the first ever of its kind. <laughs> Nobody has ever made a superhero movie with black people in it. What, so Wesley Snipes wasn't black when I saw Blade making. 20 years how, ago? Yeah, I know. If Wesley Snipes ain't black enough for you, how black you gotta be, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that motherfucker, he's... He just stands up and it's evening. He smiles and the stars come out. Oh, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that motherfucker it's like an oil slick with chiclets thrown in for teeth. But 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 we ain't gonna talk about it. We ain't gonna talk about Michael J- uh, Jaleel White or whoever played Spawn. Oh yeah, Michael Jai White. 
Yeah, Jai White, exactly. <gasps> Jaleel White? Like, that's Urkel, man. That, uh, my bad. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> just trying to black up his name a little. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also played, uh, didn't he play... Uh, really, if I told you, if you've never black seen Panther. what Michael Jai White looks like, and I just said, I give you three guesses to, to, to guess his race, I don't think you'd land on black. It's not a black name, that's all I'm saying. Eh, surprisingly, White is usually a common... Black last name. <laughs> but yeah, I do, I my do wheel so. might my wheel might have landed on it. Maybe like the third spin, like shot in the dark. Like eh, I, black guy. I, I do think I do think it's very amusing how. And I know that every generation does this to an extent, but man, the wanting to erase everything or refusing to acknowledge everything that came before them is really strong in the millennials. Like they. Like, they take pride in it. The fact I I was on a musician's page on Facebook and someone said, you know, name some overrated bands. The amount of millennials who broke their goddamn fingers hammering their keyboards to type in the Beatles <laughs> was amazing <laughs> to me. And I'm just like, really? Well, your music collection sucks. Like, I, you know, it, it, you know the whole tear down tradition. Okay, yeah, I get it. You know, in, in a lot of ways, well, it's tradition. We've just always done it that way. That's a stupid reason to keep doing shit. Do you like it? Oh, not really. Well, then don't fucking do it that way. It's stupid. I get that. But it's just like this is just. I actually, we Monique, we had her on the show. I was actually having this conversation where she's talking about uh, Modern Family is the first time gay characters have been on television. Excuse the fuck out of me. Uh, remember the little show? Ever, ever heard of a woman called Ellen? Will and Grace, uh, Roseanne. Um, keep going. And I'm like, do you think the world literally just started when you popped out of your mom's fucking vag? Right. There's a whole. <laughs> there's thousands of years of recorded history before you drew a breath on this planet, and there'll there'll be thousands more after you take your last one. Okay. Yeah. It, I, I, it I, seems so self-centered and, and just like self-congratulatory. Oh, we're the first generation to have a black superhero movie. No, you're not. And guess what? Gen Xers, we don't get to say that either because we weren't making black exploitation movies. We weren't making Shaft. We weren't making Dolomite. That wasn't our generation. Shaft, Shaft don't wear a cape, but he's that's straight up a superhero movie. Exactly. <laughs> he's got a fucking origin story. He, he fights the power. He like... Yeah. Jesus Christ, he had sequels. He had Shaft Goes to Africa. Yes. Oh, and a, fran <laughs> yeah. and a franchise. A franchised superhero movie. That they've tried to reboot with Samuel L. Jackson, which on paper looked good, and then I saw it and was like, I don't know, somewhere in the execution yeah. process, this didn't work. <laughs> now, but that, was, that was Sam trying to get a summer house. <laughs> now, here is the difference, though. The amount, uh, first of all, the, the amount of black people in the cast and the amount of money put into this movie. I don't know if we've ever seen a movie with this many black people be made for this many millions of dollars, however many it took to make it. Oh, no. Yeah, that. I can agree with that. Right. But like every, every generation likes to think that they invented everything. The problem here is that not only do we remember all this shit, we we can play them the tapes. Like, <laughs> I, st I still got I still got the Spawn VHS. Like, 
Yeah, uh, I, I somewhere there in 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 a CD folder is the soundtrack to that to that movie. Yeah, I remember awful, it. Awful okay. soundtrack. Hey, Crystal Method and Filtered. I like that song. That, that, that soundtrack also like the Shaft movie on paper. That soundtrack. Hey, this could be pretty cool. <laughs> in execution, not so much. Yeah, and then oh, yeah, the you get one the track by Filter. Oh yeah, soundtrack blows. After the filter track, yeah, I'm that sorry. was back. I, I misheard. I thought we were talking about the Shaft soundtrack. No, the, the oh, no, no, the, the Spawn soundtrack. The Spawn soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was a whole big. Spawn, if you went Shaft. to Burger King or Taco Bell, I can't remember what it was. For, in the summer of '97, we had one fast food place where you got Batman Forever cups, and the other fast food place you had Spawn cups. I mean, they pushed that movie. And at the same time, they launched the Spawn animated series on HBO that exact summer, same summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is—it's just once again, it's—it's this—it's this—it's the selfie mentality. It's the narcissistic. Let me look in the mirror. That's the prettiest thing I've seen today. Mentality. And I understand that. Yeah, we got a lot of people of all generations who are like that. But holy shit, this is the most yeah. self-important, self-congratulatory group of people. We just weren't like that. Right. If, you, oh, if somebody doesn't like you, it's not because you're unpopular. It's because you're unappreciated. Exactly. All criticism is hate. You're hating on me. No. Sometimes you look like a jackass. It's right. it, And people are going to point it out if you ask their opinion. And if you're dumb enough to post it on the internet, you're going to get unsolicited opinions. Even though Todd made a good point on his latest podcast, if you're clicking on the, 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 the page... And you're putting it out there. You can't say you were unsolicited. It was unsolicited. You know what I'm saying? Right. You knew what yeah. you were. You knew where you bought that shirt. And damn sure went to men's department. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's. I, and and there's. I mean, God, I know it's a tiny portion of people that are saying this shit. But the fact that they're saying it and it's being taken seriously, you know, there's well, this tiny. Well, it was like last summer. You white people can't go see. Black Panther in the first week. And if you've already bought your tickets, give them to a person of color. <laughs> Let them have their wow. money. <laughs> you want white people to see this, goddammit. You want them to make many sequels to the Black Panther, and you want everyone to go see it. I'm sorry. There's not enough black people to sustain a Marvel tentpole movie on their own. If these movies are going to make their money back, and they're going to continue to make these movies... Everybody's got to go see him. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you want to make this a black only thing, then this will be the last black led superhero movie you see. First thing you got to do: every show starts fifteen minutes late. We know what the paper says. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute! Don't they all start fifteen minutes late? Because now, fuck previews. You got advertisements they play before the fucking movie. Oh god, dude! Star Wars was ridiculous. It was it was literally a half an hour. It was I mean, literally. It, a half an hour of fucking previews. I, I know I'm weird. I'll sit through half an hour of, pre- of previews, but yes. I don't want to sit through half an hour of AT&T and T-Mobile commercials. I don't go to the theater to watch commercials. I mean, it, it didn't it used to be a point of like HBO yeah. and Cinemax. Is, Pretty much the reason I'm not at the theater is to not see yeah. commercials. I don't know what annoys me more, seeing a commercial for a dentist at the movie theater or people clapping to the MJR theme. 
I just look. I, I I know when it's coming up, and I just look at my kids, and I'm like, "You clap, you're walking home." Yeah, if you clap, you have a family. <laughs> you cannot be one of those people. You know, I I've been to. Or if you or if you applaud the movie, if you clap when the movie's over, like there's actually somebody there to applaud. I was just gonna say, yeah, I've been to a, a, a handful of movies where that happens, and I'm like, who are you? Who are you applauding? No one's here. The projectionist is taking a bow. Like, okay, <laughs> all right, I gotta. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself a preemptive. Ooh, okay. Back in the day when my stepmom lived up here, she worked for a company where she could get tickets to premieres, and she got tickets to the Detroit premiere of Hunt for Red October. Ooh, off. Ooh. Yeah, I know. And I think like I think like an assistant director or, you know, a grip was there. You Ooh. know, and uh, yeah, I know. It was the big was, stuff theme. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like literally there was like, you know, a, 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 a roped off area and there was a handful of people. I'm talking maybe 10 taking pictures and you walked into the theater and all this and and it was the first movie I remember at the end of it. People were standing up and giving it a standing ovation. And I just looked at my stepmother and said, what are they clapping about? And she goes, I have no idea. We got to go. I mean, it's just like. Then I, you start looking around like, is it a director here? What's going on? Like, yeah, I don't see Alec Baldwin. Where's Sean Connery? I didn't. I, no one in a Scottish accent called my mother a whore. He ain't here. You know, so I. Yeah, I was. I'm right there with you. It's. God, it was so bad when I went to go see episode one and the 20th century Fox theme starts and uh, the, the the lightsabers waving in front of the screen was bad enough, but it, then people, oh, you know, openly sobbing and cheering. And I'm like, Oh, it's, I love star Wars, but it's a fucking movie, man. It's the, it's the William Shatner Saturday Night live skit. Get a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how old are you? 35. Have you ever kissed a woman? Have you ever touched a breast? It's just a movie, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and and that was the evil Shatner from the Mirror Mirror episode. Oh yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, 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 it's it's kind of the same with, and I'm starting to understand why. I don't know. Maybe this is just me. First of all, I I never look at when I was growing up, and I was a twenty something year old know it all you know, young, dumb, full of cum, however you want to put it. I never looked at music that was older and said, oh, it's shit, because it's old. I never did that. And I never looked at no. movies or culture that came before and said, oh, it's stupid, because it wasn't, you know, it's not mine. We, in fact, held it up in higher esteem. Well, I, yeah, I, to say that, like, the, the Beatles are overrated is to have no sense of the timeline. You know, like... If the Beatles were just started now making the same music, yeah, that would that would just be overrated derivative bullshit. But because of the time that they did it when nobody else was doing these things and the influence that they had over popular music and to to not understand that would, there's so many different forms of music that would be different if the Beatles never existed. Yeah. I was exactly. just, just to say, I bet I could sit there and ask each one of these people their favorite bands and point out how the Beatles have influenced them. 
but see a lot of the and there was a handful of people who in the, in, a, in that Facebook uh, page I'm talking about that were like how does anybody saying the Beatles are overrated you don't know shit about music what are you doing on a musicians page there's a handful of people that came back with that and of course it, it the the argument de-evolved as it always does in comment sections and it turned into <laughs> the fuck Trump at some point <laughs> um surprisingly no but I think that's a rule in that particular group that if you bring up politics you get shown the door immediately um the you know the obligatory well, what bands do you like came up and you know it was ha 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 laugh at the dad rocker he asked me what bands I like I don't like bands I like EDM artists and I was like oh oh you're such a huge faggot of epic proportions fuck off <laughs> fuck off if you can't tell me who Steven Sachs is you can suck my testicles dry motherfucker. I fuck off with your my I like EDM artist. Fuck you, you pretentious cocksucker. And yeah. fuck that bullshit that you fucking try that repackaged shit that we were listening to sucking helium in the meatpacking district in Detroit <laughs> twenty five years ago, you motherfuckers. Ain't nothing new under the sun just cause you like it, you pieces of shit. Yeah. Now go dye your hair different colors and become gender fluid. Fucking faggot! God, like, I like I like EDM. I you know, do too. But this is like saying I'm really into sports and then only watching professional wrestling. <laughs> and that being the only sport worth paying attention to. Well, not ironically, but strangely enough, those people are faggots too. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> and no, I don't mean gay. I mean. I, 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 I'm, I, I've lost my use of words to come up with another insult. Uh, give me a few minutes, and I will. But I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you fucking? You are listening to music that has its roots in sampling and in other people's music, in other people's music, and yet you're sitting here shitting all over the Beatles because you want to say the Beatles stole from black people. I'm sorry. Wasn't Billy Preston the unofficial fifth Beatle? Wasn't he Martin. in? Oh, oh, Billy no, Preston's okay. like six. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I've never heard. I've never heard anybody from any of the four Beatles ever shy away from giving credit to the originators of rock and roll. In fact, it's been very much the opposite. Paul McCartney speaks very well of James Jamerson. And I guarantee you, these fucking yeah. loads that should have been swallowed don't even know who the fuck he is, and they're out there. Well, fuck Paul McCartney. Fuck the Beatles are overrated. Really? Uh, at this point, can we just make sacred cow burgers? Because that's what hey, you're man. doing. Here's something your generation doesn't hear too often. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I, the. You know, it's anyone, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyone who says anyone who only listens to one genre of music is not a fan of music they're a fan of scenes or one particular scene mm-hmm. I believe we called you, you know, posers back in the day anybody that I've talked to that I've known that I've played in bands with who really knows music and is into music and has a love for music has no boundaries to their love of music they hear it everywhere I yep if, I, you, if I, you can't if you can't call yourself a fan of music if you can't sit down and at least 
listen to something other than your chosen genre. If you see no musical value in any of that stuff, that you've written off everything else except for your thing, that's fine. Have your thing. You know, be into professional wrestling. Go crazy over. That's fine. But don't group yourselves in with the sports fans. That's a different thing. You can incorporate whether you incorporate wrestling in sports or not. Yeah, I just I, I it, to me, it's a willful ignorance of the history of the art form because if you know anything about recording techniques before the Beatles recorded their first song and after they broke up there was quantum leaps in recording techniques in tracks in how many tracks they could use and in just things they did in the studio that even if they weren't the Beatles people would still be going people would have still taken from that and and built upon it no, absolutely. Even just looking at it from a technological aspect, you know, the the studio that they're recording in was literally a laboratory. The engineers wore lab coats. They built their own gear. And when the Beatles said, "We need more than four tracks," they go, "Okay, we'll figure out how to do it." And then everybody else went, "Oh wait, we can sync up a couple of four tracks together and get eight. We can do all these overdubs and get up to twenty-four. We can." They. Their need to expand in the studio influenced every form of recorded music out there yep. from that point on. I'm not saying that we, you know, eventually somebody would want to be like, oh, I want to make eight guitar overdubs and we're going to need 24 tracks for this. And they would have figured it out eventually. But it was figured it, out because of them. R- absolutely. They said, Pioneers, hey, want- I believe, is the term we're looking for here. One hundred percent. That is the term. And so even if even if you don't like the music, exactly. I I've told you guys about this guy. I was in a band with a guy, and he's like, I don't like the Beatles. And I was like, How? Do, what? How the fuck does that happen? He's like, I just never got into him. Yet even him, who who would had no problem saying this to other musicians, straight faced, would go. But I can respect what they brought to the to the to the art form of recording and music and etc. Mm-hmm. I, I just the music never spoke to me. I guess and I, you know, I, it's like maybe a rush. That, that's why this uh, this Quincy Jones article struck me so much because this guy is a fucking producer. This guy has one of the best ears in the business still to this day, and knows how to make records that just sound amazing. And when he was asked what he thought about the Beatles. What did he say? They were some no-playing motherfuckers? <laughs> but he, I'm trying to find the exact quote here because it's great. We're, someone tell Rashida to get Quincy his meds because he's obviously off him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were the worst musicians in the world. They were a no-playing motherfucker. Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard. And Ringo, and, wow. don't even talk about it. <laughs> You know, well, that's well, an old joke. Ringo wasn't even the best drummer in the band. That's 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 the old joke. But yeah. I mean, okay. First of all, Mr. Quincy Jones, hey, dude, I, how the fuck you can listen to a Paul McCartney bass line and go, "Oh, that's the worst bass player I've ever heard." I mean, I I, I have no idea. He he must have an axe to grind somewhere. Is what I is what I'm thinking. Somewhere down the line. Something happened that made him just hate the Beatles. Yeah, I don't know where he's coming from at all, because it's not even like... 
I mean, even on their earlier records that, you know, a lot of people at the time like just kind of laughed off as this bubblegum teenage pop stuff. Some of those bass lines are just amazing. Like, uh, what's mm-hmm. the one I'm, I'm thinking of? Like, uh, is it All My Lovin'? That has that literally, like, jazzy bass line that he walks up and down. Yes. And he's... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, What about Baby, You're a Rich Man? Yeah. About Penny Lane? <clears throat> um, I guess... <laughs> the only thing I can think of as to where Quincy Jones is coming from is this a, this is a man who works with with studio musicians who that is what they do they come in and nail the part whereas the the Beatles were like we're going to do this all ourselves and we're going to keep fucking around in the studio until it's right and even if we got a piece together as long as the final product is what we want it to sound like and you know it, it's not about nailing the drum take in less than 15 minutes it's what does the end result sound like well i'm he's kind of he's judging uh, he's judging music on this like sports mentality that i always criticize like metal players for for doing where it's it's more about technique and it's not it's always about the finished product well you know I'm, i'm skimming this interview and of course i see the name Jimi Hendrix brought up, so boom, that's instantly where my attention went to. And they ask him, you know, wasn't Hendrix supposed to play on one of your albums? And he goes, yeah, he chickened out. He was nervous to play with, and then he starts naming people. He's like, those are some scary motherfuckers. You know, Toots, as in, uh, it's one of the guys he was talking about, is one of the greatest soloists to ever fucking lived. The cats on my records were the baddest cats in the world, and Hendrix didn't want to play with them. Okay, first of all, Quint can't take anything from Quincy Jones as far as his 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 body of work, but if he was as close to Miles Davis as he claims he was, he should have known that Miles Davis and Hendrix actually were going to record together. Oh yeah, it was going to Man. happen at Electric Lady Studios. It was scheduled, and Hendrix yes. died. So if yeah. you're fucking telling me that Hendrix was scared to play with Herbie Hancock and Roland Kirk, but not Miles <laughs> Davis, right? <laughs> That's your opinion. That's not a fact. That's your opinion. And once again, someone get the old man his meds because he's awful. I don't, I I mean, I I just, I get it. I understand it that, you know, he's, he's an old guy and he's like, fuck it. I ain't got nothing else to lose. I'm going to say what the fuck, what I want to say, you know, and that's just, you know, all there is to it. I get it. And it makes for a great read. It's entertaining. But at the same time, mm, these are your opinions, bro. These ain't facts. And I mean, he has he, reading it, just skimming it. He's just going on and on about Michael Jackson. And I'm like, uh, do we really want to go down that road where you're shitting on the Beatles who wrote and performed their own music and Michael Jackson, who at least around uh, Thriller and after that had a team of people doing that shit for him? Mm-hmm. Quincy I mean, among them, and yeah, uh, yeah. part of it, it, right? And he even admits in this article when he's talking about Michael Jackson how much he ripped off from other people. He re- makes reference to uh, one of the studio musicians, I think it was that that wrote uh, 
uh, it wrote the C part, he says, to Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which I imagine he's referring to like the, the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, the A the being a verse, B being the chorus. He wrote the C part to Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And was and Michael Jackson refused to even credit him for it. So yeah, yeah. It, and that was part, it's just like the same Michael, phrase repeated four times. But that somebody wrote it though. True. Somebody had to write it. But um, yeah. To I, I don't know why, other than he was personally involved with Michael Jackson's success, why he is held up to on a, on a, he is put up on a pedestal. And everybody else is shat on for having faults. I mean, he's not completely wrong about everything. He's asked if U2 is still making good music. He says, no. Actually, he doesn't even say no. He just shakes his head. (laughs) You're not wrong on that. Yeah, yeah, it's just litter box C. Not wrong. Right. Not only is U2 not making good music anymore, their music that they're making is so bad that people are angry when they get it for free. <laughs> I, I, I just, I was listening to another podcast and someone, this was like in the last week, it's funny you say that because you're like, yeah, you know, I get in my car and I sync up my phone and I and I hit shuffle and play and God damn it, there's that fucking song from that YouTube album that they put on my phone and I can't take off and I never want it. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, this shit's four <laughs> years ago, man. People are still salty. <laughs> No, I look. He's he's. I mean, if you want to look at it, his his resume is intimidating to say the least, as far as a musician goes. Um, who he's worked, the list of people he's worked with, equally is intimidating. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the man's right about everything. I mean, no, you can, you can have fucked up <laughs> opinions. I mean, sure, sure. Prince thought that chemtrails were there to poison us from the United States government. And it, if he had a blood transfusion because of his religion, he would take on the traits of the person that he took the blood from. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't affect his solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I can, I, no, and I, I can't take anything away from, from art. Yeah, I, and I can't take anything away from Quincy. Like I said earlier, the man's got golden ears. And... If I had eight hundred dollars to spend on headphones, I would buy his AKG signature headphones because I want to hear what that man hears in the headphones. But yeah, I mean, he's—I uh, don't know if he's just like he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> if he's like losing it, but I mean, you—I think you had said this before we started recording. Like, where is where's his PR guy? Like, how did his people? Let this article be published. I, I, I once again I go back to Kevin Smith talking about working with Prince and Prince's assistants. Yes, plural, double digits worth. Going sometimes he'll it'll be three a.m. in the middle of January in Minnesota, and he'll just turn around and look at us in the recording studio and go, "I want a camel." And when we have to explain to him that he can't have a camel, he gets upset. And it's like I, he's probably lived. Prince lives in Prince World. Quincy lives in Quincy's world. Right. It's one you of know. my favorite uh, Metalocalypse lines. They're doing a video shoot, and uh, Squizgard is going off about how there's supposed to be a fucking dragon on set, that he asked for a dragon, and the, the PA is trying to explain to him. He says, 
there are no dragons. And he's like, where? And he's like, in the world. <laughs> they don't have any dragons. He says, they don't have any dragons. He's like, who doesn't? He's like, the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, okay, let's just, let's, okay, let's throw this out there. Uh, didn't, wasn't, wasn't Quincy Jones kind of a needle freak there for a while? Wasn't he uh, pushing off? He allegedly Miles, introduced Ray Charles to heroin. Exactly, and it hit, between Ray Charles and Miles Davis, that's a pretty smacky bunch. So, I mean, his memory might not be as clear as he'd like to believe it is. I mean, I, I know that I, I've had been like, oh, I was at this party and this happened, and people are like, no, it didn't. There's a, there's a lot more that happened that you're not remembering, and I'm like, oh, boy, yeah. But once again, when you never have people to tell you uh, Quincy, you're full of shit. What's what's going to happen? You're going to get Paul McCartney can't play bass. Oh, he's like Black Trump. Which I, I also I one of the things in the <laughs> in the article is apparently Marlon Brando and and Richard Pryor were butt fucking constantly at some point in the seventies. <laughs> and all I could think is a poor Marlon Brando going to the proctologist because Pryor wrecked him with that thing and trying to explain that one away. I don't know. Pryor wasn't the bottom. He also uh, the the Clintons come. I think he must have mentioned the Clintons. I, I I don't think the interviewer had it on his slate that he has to get his opinion on Hillary. But he says in here, uh, where's the part where he? I just had it. Oh, he says the interviewer asked him, well, "What are what are people not seeing in Hillary? For example, that you see?" He says, "It's because of that side of her when when." You keep secrets, they backfire. And he says, like, what secrets? He says, this is something else I shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> he said, the interviewer says, you sure seem to know a lot. He says, I know too much, man. Well, what's something you wish you didn't know? Who killed Kennedy? <laughs> this is something he knows, <laughs> right? We're, talk- we're talking about things that Quincy Jones knows. He knows. Who? Uh, of course, the follow-up question is, well, who did it? He says that Sam Giancana did it. There's some fallout between rigging uh, between him and Kennedy and uh, the supposed rigging of the election. Oh yeah, and then and Bobby going after the labor unions, which were mob controlled, and yeah, that's that's a, that's a pretty prominent right. theory in the in the Kennedy assassination world. Well, I mean, but, but he, there's but like okay, so. He asked him about Marlon Brando, and he's like, you know, he's the most charming motherfucker you ever met. He'd fuck anything. James Baldwin, Richard Pryor, Marvin Gaye. Interviewer goes, he slept with him? How do you know that? Frowns. Come on, man. He did not give a fuck. You like Brazilian music? Right. What? <laughs> he's he's <laughs> constantly changing that. the subject. Just walk away and ask about he's, Brazilian music? <laughs> he's, I've, I've talked to people like this before, where... They introduce subjects and they're like, I can't talk about that. Like, oh, oh Tom, the, the dude from Blink 182, Tom DeLonge or whatever his name is, was on yeah. uh, Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast. Literally, I think it was every five questions, he would make a statement and Joe would go, How'd you know that? And he goes, I can't talk about that. Like, it became a meme on the internet. It was just, I, I, I can't get into it. I can't get into it. It's like, then why bring it up, asshole? Right, he says, there's a, a spot where he talks about, guys, he said, uh, interview says, what about the alleged behavior of a friend of yours like Bill Cosby? Is it hard to square what he's been accused with the, with the person you know? 
his response is, it was all of them. Brett Ratner, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein's a jive motherfucker. Wouldn't return in any, any of my five calls. A bully. Well, it's not really bully behavior, not returning your calls. That's more passive-aggressive, so actually. Right. So he, yeah. so he tries to change the subject. The interviewer says, uh, what about Cosby, though? What about it? <laughs> were, were, the allega- the <laughs> were the allegations a surprise to you? We can't talk about no. this in public, man. Nope, because I got but, him okay. the quaaludes. Whoa, right. whoa. You, can talk, you can talk about Harvey. You can talk about... You can say that uh, Paul McCartney was the worst bass player ever. The U2 doesn't make any good music anymore. But calling out Cosby as a sexual predator, well, no. We're not going to you know, go there. I, did he? Is that a direct quote? We can't talk about this in public? Direct right. quote. We can't talk about this in public, man. Okay, now I'm wondering if that falls under the... Uh, the the uh, when I call it the barbershop rule. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen the movie Barbershop? Cedric the Entertainer's character is like, I know we're not supposed to say shit, certain shit in front of white people, but you know OJ <laughs> did that shit. You know, I mean, it's like I wonder if that's the right. movie he's talking about. <laughs> you know, he's like Martin Luther King was a hoe. OJ killed that bitch. You know, I mean, like, but we can't OJ say that in front what, of white people. Oh, what does he say about Rosa Parks? Well, all that bitch did was sit down. That bitch didn't do nothing brave. She just refused to move. Oh, yeah. All, all Rosa Parks did was sit her fat ass down. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, beyond that, if we're going to get into the story of Rosa Parks, I mean, if you look into the history of it, she wasn't just some lone person taking a stand. Like, there was a civil rights movement, and they found somebody that they said, hey, she looks innocent enough and is willing, and they put her up to it. Oh, definitely, yeah. She was involved with the civil rights movement. That wasn't just a tired lady coming home from work and going, I'm not moving. Yeah. But that's but how that, it's... That makes for a better story. But, you know, there's yeah. part of this Quincy Jones interview that just kind of reeks of racism, isn't there? And we've already kind of touched on it. When you can just slag on the Beatles and defend Michael Jackson, when you slag on Harvey Weinstein... But you defend, well, not defend, but refuse to call out Bill Cosby? To even engage in the conversation. That is, that, not call, I don't expect them to necessarily call him out, but just to not even yeah. be willing to have the discussion. But then, and then you're, in the rest of the interview, you're like, uh, I mean, right at the very opening, I ain't got nothing to be scared of, man, until you bring up Bill Cosby, until you bring up Michael Jackson. And his fondness for boys of a certain age and only a certain age. I mean, it's once again, I, I, if he just said something along the lines of I separate the art from the artist, even if mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people would say that's a cop out answer, I could go, all right, I'm, I understand that, you know, but to, yeah, for. Well, but but he's asked in the interview, too, if you could snap your fingers and fix one problem in the country, what would it be? You know what his response is? Oh, Racism. Oh, I, was, I thought he was going to say bring Wait. back quaaludes. <laughs> That's his response. His, his response is that, that that would be the problem that he would fix is racism. Okay, well, I'm not saying you started it, but, you know... <laughs> Like, check yourself before you go around telling other people. Well, I mean, it, the, 
he's what, 83? Yeah. 84, 84. So that, this man has lived through shit that we read about in history books. He was there. Yeah. And I can't expect that not to, no pun intended, color his view of the world. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I one time I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X and a buddy of mine goes, why are you reading that fucking book? And I was like, why not? Like, all that fucking white hating black power pro-Muslim shit. I'm like, that's what you get out of that? Like, do you understand how he come up? Reverse the situation. You're, they had no qualms about referring to him as the little nigger right to his face in his school. And they didn't mm-hmm. see it as saying anything wrong. They had, his father was murdered flat out, and the cops just turned a blind eye to it because, well, he's, he was an uppity Negro. He should have learned his place. He's fucked with constantly, solely based on his race. Now, if you grew up in the situation where that was happening to you, wouldn't you grow up resenting the people that were doing it to you? And he's like, well, that doesn't give him a right to And I said, but you see, that's the thing. You, you don't know the end of the story. You don't know what happened when he went to Mecca. And he saw Muslims of all fucking races praying to the same God, shared food from the same plate, drank from the same cup as them, came back and said, everything I said before, I always started with, like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm speaking for myself. But there can be no black-white unity until there's black unity. He compl- his, his stance evolved based on new information. So, yeah, I get it. You know, he's seen some shit, but at the same time, you're so he just be called a sellout at 2018 standards. Oh, da- oh, in a yeah. heartbeat, dude. And first of all, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Martin Luther King would be like, can you imagine Martin Luther King? They call they him Uncle Tom now. If they asked him today, they said, "What do you think about transgendered people?" Man's a minister, by the way. Yeah. And if he held to if he held to what that book that he held so dear says, he'd be called he'd be a hate monster. Yeah. Yeah, he'd, he'd be, be a homophobic, transphobic. He'd be an outcast, you know. But Quincy Jones is 84, and he's like the your old racist grandpa. You know, you get together <laughs> for Thanksgiving, grandpa gets a couple drinks in him and starts, you know, back in my day when the gays weren't all up in your face about it and black people knew their place, and you're just kind of like, oh, God. You roll your eyes and just go, well, at least they're dying off. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I took the interview, you know, from what I've read of the interview from skimming it. A lot of it's like you're a grumpy old man, and you got a right to be. But ultimately, oh, right. that's what it is. You're just a grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like he needs to be called out on this shit, and and that he's definitely a racist. But like, <laughs> it just seems ironic that 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 comes near the end of an interview where he is just consistently. Slagging on white artists and propping up black artists. You know, well, it's a double this standard. Is we're not allowed to talk about. This is yeah, something that, that I, I've been want, this is something I've been wanting to bring up to you guys and for a while now. And I guess this is as, as good of an opening as I'm going to get here. Do you feel a need to somehow defend people who have the same sexual orientation as you, the same skin tone as you, the same heritage as you, the same? whatever because i i don't i don't feel the need to defend and turn a blind eye oh well you know robert blake he got away with murder well you know they couldn't prove it and blah 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 blah. but oj's mm-hmm. guilty as fuck no they're both they both got away with murder they're murderers they're walking around no. you know what what commercial 
bothers me more than any other that's on TV right now is the oh shit I can't even remember which company it's it's for but it's like one of these like 23 and me or that does like the the family tree investigation and the DNA testing and all that tell you all this shit about your heritage right and the guy is saying growing up we were German and we did German things and they show him doing the little stupid dance where they slap their feet and all that shit and he's wearing some lederhosen and he's doing Killing like Jew, you know <laughs> right yeah pushing a Jew into an oven and I this, he's he's doing these, this display of these things that you know are considered to be German things as part of his heritage, and then he sends off his uh, cotton swab of spit to the company, and they come back and tell him that he's mostly Scottish, and so then he's in he's in a kilt, and he's got the bagpipes, and he's like, now well this is now this is what we do. It's called you know, appropriation. Now, now now we blow the bagpipes and beat our wives, and. <laughs> And it's just so ridiculous. Like, I'm not saying that don't have an interest in history or culture, especially what you consider to be your own culture. But how does that change? Growing up, you were German. That's it. That hey, doesn't German, change. German, Scottish. He's either way. He's getting hammered. <laughs> right. I just don't. I can't. I mean, I, I know this is a a commercial that is exaggerating things to to appeal to. Uh, to certain people, but I, I think I don't think it's that far off the mark from from how people believe themselves, how people perceive themselves, which is kind of ridiculous. I see. To me, I I have a cousin who did who did that, and you know, growing up, we'd been told on my dad's side, you know, oh, my grandfather's grandmother, so that's my great grandmother, right? Yeah. Um, you know, oh yeah, she's you know full blooded Cherokee and all this and all this and all. And I'm like, I don't see it. You, but you know, whatever. My dad's side's darker complected. My mom's side's a bunch of pale motherfuckers. Whatever. So my cousin gets this shit done. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Yeah. And the older people in my family got upset, and I just said, "What the fuck does it matter?" Yeah. I'm. What reservation do you hold a fucking membership on? What casinos? You point to your casino. What the fuck does it matter? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah. Once again, it's dead people's baggage. Let them fucking deal with it. Stop carrying around dead people's shit. It has nothing to do with us. You don't... It, it, one of the That's best what... scenes in The Sopranos was in one of the worst episodes, the Columbus Day episode, where Tony's going off about, did you get what you got because you're Calabrese or you're Sicilian? No, you got what you got because you got brains. You got balls. All right, where's our fucking self-esteem? Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 care, uh, uh, oh, who is he always holding up as the strong, silent type? I don't know, but the guy from from high, the movie High Noon, he's like, if he was around now, he'd be a part of some victims group, the gay, what you know, gangsters or you know whatever, and blah blah blah. He's like, take pride in what you do. Don't take pride mm-hmm. in accomplishments other people did and try to cloak yourself in their accomplishments because it makes you look like you are so petty and pathetic. Have and you it, ever... Have you guys seen the movie Flirting with Disaster? No. Okay. I know That's the song of, by Molly Hatchett. That but. is one of my favorite comedies. And it's a what, 90s movie with... Wait, um, I actually think I have. With Ben Stiller and Patricia Arquette. Yeah. 
the young married couple have their first kid, and Ben Stiller is adopted. And for some reason, he's having a hard time naming his child because I have he doesn't have a sense of his, uh, his own identity because he doesn't know his true parents, so he doesn't know his heritage, and he doesn't know what he needs to pass on to his child, right? And so he goes on this long hunt with this, uh, this social worker who takes on his case and helps him uh, try and find his birth parents. And that's... Uh, oh. What's her name? She's got a TV show now. She was in... Uh, Tay Leone. Tay Leone. Thank you. She's so hot. Yes. I love her to death. And Madam Secretary. Yes, that was... Yeah, that's the show. So I sit through that once a week. She she takes them on this tour of where she thinks, like, there are a number of screwball comedy mix-ups. Like, they go through three different meetings of people who he thinks are his mother, right? He gets introduced to one woman and, you know, she's uh, she's got kids that are really into sports and really athletic and he's like, that's me. I'm really athletic. I'm like this. And then a phone call comes in. Oh, turns out this isn't your mom. Uh, but she is nearby. We'll go, you know, we can, she's in driving distance, you know, and then it happens again. And by the time he actually does locate his actual birth parents, they're crazy hippies living out on a reservation, selling acid and running from the cops, and people that he doesn't want anything to do with. And he has to realize on his own that there's a, there's a difference between knowing your heritage and knowing who you are. Exactly. And I, I think that's a message that most people don't understand. I'm not saying fuck your heritage, doesn't matter where you came from. That's all important. But the fact that it's it's so slight to some people that it can be changed from the results of a DNA test, that you now think about yourself as a different person, it's ridiculous. I mean, well, I, you know, the, 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 the rebuttal for, to that that I've gotten when I've had this conversation with people mostly black people I get this rebuttal from is well, we don't know our culture we don't know our heritage we're straight up stolen True. from our homeland I don't yeah. well, you know most black people when they say the motherland okay what country and the really dumb people go Africa that's a continent stupid what country oh I don't know and what heritage are you trying to protect or, or, or celebrate because you don't even fucking know and they go well that's right because the white man stole it from us yeah I understand that and when my ancestors got here, they settled in the South, and they said, what religion are you? And they said, Catholic. We don't like them Catholics around here. Oh, what religion is everyone around here? Baptist. We're Baptist now. It, it, it's, it, that's not an excuse to wrap yourself in this cloak of, you know, if so-and-so does something good, then that, that lifts us all up because we happen to look alike. But if so-and-so does something bad, we have to defend mm. them no matter what because we happen to look alike. Right. It, or, or, or pray the same way. What the fuck ever. You know, there is enough things dividing people without pushing this, you know, and it, it, this is probably why I have such a problem with SJWs who see everything as problematic. You know, oh, look at that white person with cornrows. 
That's cultural or, or dreadlocks. That's that's cultural appropriation. Blah 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 blah. You know the reason those people get on my fucking nerves so much is because I was one of them when I was younger. I saw everything like that, and it took years and years and years of real world life experience of dealing with real people, not not professional students who fucked up their lives and now are teaching in a fucking classroom about a world that they're too scared to go out and be a part of. I'm talking people who are in the real world going, that's all bullshit, man. You know that, right? Ultimately, it's on you. You can have all the pride you want, but ultimately, your decisions, the things you do, are your responsibility. It's not your ancestors, and their sins are not your sins. I mean, the the same mentality coming from a group of people about... The dreamers, for example. Yeah. How can we punish these children who were brought here by their parents? Well, the parents committed a crime. Yes, but the children didn't. So the sins of the father cannot be visited upon the sins of the sons and daughters. Unless slavery. Then every white person's guilty. <laughs> I think I found Damn. a flaw. That's a goddamn good point. You just punched a giant hole in that argument. <laughs> wow. That's perfect, Rich. You know why I'm able to think like that? Because I used to think like them. I used to be one of them. Yeah, I used no. to want to be offended by everything. So I walked around looking for reasons to go. Literally, I'm not joking. I've had arguments about when I was younger about how pool is a racist game because the white ball knocks around the colored balls and puts the black ball in last. Because only a white person would have come up with some shit like that. And my friends, when I was 19 at Snooker's or Cushion Q and Brew over on Schoolcraft and, and, and Middle Belt, were like, are you fucking retarded? Right. Are you serious? Well, you know, this is why I have some, I, I think, more leeway for millennials than, well, you guys may. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, well, because they are younger, and anytime... So, Usually when somebody says something stupid, I think I feel inside like, yeah, I used to be you. The pro the difference here being I don't know what happened to you at 20 to make you stop being curious about everything and say, you know, this is how I am and this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life and never have to really confront with uh, be confronted with new information that causes you to to rethink things. You know? Everybody goes through that. Everybody has these these thoughts and, and has to, like you're saying, Rich, with real-world experience, have their point of view changed on something. And that's a sign of intelligence. And it's when, yeah, the, the guy my age still has the thoughts that I was thinking when I was 20. I'm like, I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> I, I was there, but that was 20 years ago. Well, I mean, and I do, I, look, <sighs> being in the, the tail end of Generation X, all of the the, the pessimism and, and cynicism, it all just mm -hmm. rolled downhill and pulled at the bottom. And that's where I, that's where I came in. And so maybe I have a, a, more of a dour outlook on the world than I should, but I also understand that the solution to that isn't to walk around and demand the world de demand that people believe that how the world should be is how the world is i mean you can I, if something's wrong let's correct it i'm 100 percent down with that but you can't you can't change everything
and and demand reality be changed because you feel a certain way. And the problem is, is that I don't see much enlightenment happening from 20 to 25 to 30 with a lot of people in the millennial generation. Maybe they're just, maybe it'll happen at a later age. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's if it's, it's a byproduct it, of the fact that it's it's hard out here and a lot of kids still live at home and so they they really I mean I left home at seventeen, you know I was living on my own at seventeen, <laughs> lying about my age, working a job I I legally couldn't hold so I could fucking put a roof over my head. Around the the time that we would hear stories like when I was a kid, it was a quote unquote commonly known thing that we only use 10% of our brains, right? Which is complete bullshit, but, you know, they, everybody just accepts this as, as fact for some reason. And we also had this same mentality that, like, there's a certain point where we're primed for learning and then the brain just kind of shuts off. And this quote-unquote science around this just happened to line up with our you know the our schooling system in the US where well by the time you hit 18 you just like boom that's it you're done learning you can get new information and you can deal with it but you will not learn anything new your brain stops becoming elastic this is so ridiculous we use all of our brain every part of every part of it is important even the backup parts doesn't matter how much we use of it at any given time and we never stop learning or at least we never lose the ability to continue to learn and to change our viewpoint who was it that uh oh it was norman lear that adam carolla had on his show right am i remembering this correctly wasn't he the one that was interviewed and he was asked like if anything he said some sort of thing like if anything surprises him at his age and he's like yeah constantly i'm constantly learning new things changing my viewpoints on things yeah you're saying how he's different at 93 than he was at 88 and he was different at 88 than he was at you know 78 thank you and that and that's a perfect example and people think that like well you know like we were talking about quincy earlier well he's old and he's this is how he is and and this is how he grew up and yeah i can accept that and i can have a lot of I guess I don't want to say forgiveness because it's not like it's my place to forgive him for anything, but you know what I'm trying to get at. Like I can, I can overlook. You can it. have a lot of empathy for right. his viewpoint. Yes, 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 yes. But at the same time, that's lazy. I mean, if I'm just going to be logical about it, I'm going to call it what it is. It's lazy thinking. He's had plenty of years on this planet to absorb new information, reprocess, readjust, and he has the capability like any other person. And to be stuck in his ways is just laziness. I don't know. I, well, that, he's I, 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 he's I, not I, alone, though. <laughs> That's like no, the majority no. of the world. <laughs> no, and I, you know, recently I, I got engaged in a civil debate for online. Let's put it that way. In person, it had been even more civil. I, I get the feeling you were but the one. I'm, for <laughs> the one time I heard it's the, happened. Yeah. I, I heard. Yeah, I heard there was a civil <laughs> debate online. I was wondering who was involved. <laughs> but, uh, uh, it was it was about it was about trans you know transgender people, and right at the onset of the discussion, I made my point of look, I don't think anybody should be if you're of legal age and you want to transition, 
transition, more power to you. That doesn't change. No rights should be taken away from you. No rights should be kept from you because of that, et cetera, et cetera. However, the game I won't play is that you're going to now tell me that this person is not a biological man if they were born male. And this lady jumped all in my shit. You're transphobic, you're homophobic, and all this. And I said, okay, go back and reread what I posted first. Now come back. I don't care that she's now a woman. I will address her. I will use her her preferred pronouns, and I will address her as a woman, et cetera, et cetera. But that woman's going to have a finger up her ass checking her prostate eventually. Biologically, she's still a man. You can put you can put a new paint of coat a coat of paint on it. Doesn't mean it's any different. The house is still the same underneath. And she's like, "Well, I can. I'm a professor. This is where it got off the rails. I'm a professor, and I study these things, and I can tell you that you're wrong, factually wrong. They're wrong. What? They're going to remove the prostate? She's biologically male. The prostate just shrinks. (laughs) And I said, "Okay, so she's biologically a male." No, I'm gonna do, I said, I said, I'm going to do something. No, I said, okay, from her viewpoint, I said, okay, so your viewpoint is she's biologically a male. I'm going to give you a chance to flex your big brass ovaries. Show me peer reviewed papers, studies, etc. Backing that it is, is a overwhelming consensus like you're claiming in the scientific community that, that they agree with you and not with me. And I will adjust my thinking based on the facts you present. Mm-hmm. But, you, but goes, you haven't heard back from her. Bingo. Right. I mean, what a d- bingo. What, <laughs> doesn't matter what you are or believe or present yourself to be. You know, when you're when you have to go to the doctor, the doctor has to evaluate the condition as yes. it presents itself, and is not going to ask you how you identify. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Yes, if you transition so, to male, you can still get ovarian cancer. Doesn't matter if you want to have a dick or not. If you got a pain in your dick, like you can't have a conversation first about how your doctor accepts that you are a woman. But I mean, but uh, once again, then this isn't even about you know people living their own truth. Perception equals reality to people. This is about. I was willing to go. Let's wipe the slate clean. You show me the proof. And believe me, if I'm on the wrong side, I want to be on the right side. I like being right. You show me the proof from people who know more about this subject than I do. It's been peer-reviewed. These studies have, been, have, have stats and, and, and things to back them up. And I will adjust my way of thinking. It doesn't. And it just shut the conversation down. It was the end of the conversation. All she did was thumbs up and then she moved on and started calling some other guy uh, Mm -hmm. a transphobe and a homophobe. And she just left me alone. Because there's nothing there. Because what she's doing is conflating two things, gender and biology. Gender is a social construct. Biology is a scientific fact. But she's trying to use science to prove gender. It's like it when work Christians go, well, scientifically, Noah's Ark could have happened. Well, then it's not a fucking miracle now, is it? If you can prove a miracle <laughs> with science, it's not a miracle. You're arguing against your own case, stupid. You're taking <laughs> right. acts of God away from God and attributing them to science. I, what are you doing? Stop it. Just fucking say you believe in this, and that way I know what I'm dealing with. But it's, no, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> 
I explained uh, the story of Noah's Ark to my daughter the other day. Pro- <laughs> you couldn't wait till you move in. I want to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. <laughs> I was, I was like the worst person to do so. She was. Nope, there was some. Nope. I would have been the worst person to do so. <laughs> <laughs> there was some, there was some uh, manga or something that she was interested in. She watches a shit ton of manga, and so we were looking at like the stuff. It was on like Hulu or Netflix or something, and some we were reading the description of one. It makes reference to an arc, and I'm like, oh, that I get it. Like there, this is like a retelling of Noah's Ark, and she didn't know what that was, so I explained to her. But of course, you know, I can't just say, well, there's two of every animal on a boat. Like, there's too many questions in there for me. So I, st- I have to start at the beginning. Well, first of all, God's kind of a dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like God made people, and they all started doing whatever the fuck they wanted to, and not what God wanted to, and he was mad. And so he wanted to get rid of them and start over again. And this guy Noah is like, well, wait a minute. There's some stuff we're saving here. Let me just collect oh, wait, it all up. Hold on. Hold on. No. He was approached by God. God said, hey, sure. listen. This place okay. sucks now. I'm going to flood it out. You got to go get out two of each animal. Okay. See, I'm not, the, I'm not exactly the best person to be telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just start out that way. <laughs> did you, I mean, I'm did just you a make point sure? of order. I'm not did saying you, it's did true you, or not. I'm just... You know. Did you make sure to tell her that for some reason he forgot to grab the dinosaurs because we all existed at the same time and that's why the dinosaurs <laughs> died off? Yeah. Because right. that's the so, new no. bullshit that they're, they're, they're pimping on, on kids in Sunday school. No, no, the dinosaurs were right. part of the the assholes he wanted to get rid of. That's how you fix that. Yeah. Well, See, dinosaurs, yeah, big assholes. I mean, <laughs> so they had to go. There, there's plenty of sidebars thrown in of like, mind you, this is all claimed to have happened 5,000 years ago and there's no physical evidence for a flood. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what, there was that movie with Harrison Ford where that guy's face melted? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I know that I got really heated, and I know that I don't have to apologize to you guys, but like, you know, I'm sorry if I did get a little too personal at any given time. It's, but I, I really did enjoy the conversation that we had tonight. Oh, hey, hey. we've been doing this for four years. I never take anything personal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, doing this show with you guys, you guys are a respite from my group of friends. Because I couldn't do this show with my friends. Because we'd be beating the shit out of each other by episode three. It'd just be like Thunderdome. Because it's just... Dude, in episode three, where we all beat the shit out of each other. A couple hours of, why are you being a dick? And then just punching. If you, I mean, if you listen to Sporgy, you know, Earl and I have known each other 22 years. There's no punches pulled. Oh, it's like... He says something stupid. stupid. I'm like, you Shrek-looking, half-milk duck... Judge sucked head looking motherfucker. Shut the fuck up with your bullshit. Like it's this is how we talk and it's like it's prison rules, you know. You guys, we disagree. No one's trying to shake no one over the phone. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have to worry about dropping the soap around you guys. <laughs> it's well, not prison the- rules. No, you are guys we, are civilized. Uh, I challenge you to a dual crowd. Are me and Aaron the guys that would slap you with a glove? 
No, you're the guys who would sit down and go. You're the guys who would sit down and go. You know, how is beating each other to a bloody pulp going to solve this? How's it going to make the situation better? Versus, oh, that person disagreed with me. I gotta beat the shit out of them. I mean, seriously, I have forty-year-old friends who still have that mentality, and I'm like. Oh, I guess some of us never grow up. Whatever. No, I, I didn't. I didn't take anything personal. And I mean, I understood where you're well, coming from. And like I said, I took. I, honestly, I've probably, in the heat of a rant, not made myself very clear about some subjects. So I'm sure there's probably someone listening, going, "Fuck yeah, tell him, Aaron." <laughs> you know? Well, that, that's too. I, I think I, I also say that for the listeners too. If anyone thinks that like we're just always going at each other. God no! I, you, you t- I have the most polite friendship with you two I've had with. I think anybody really. <laughs> right. There you go, unregimented. I know we sound like dicks, but we're really polite guys. <laughs> it's our new tagline. <laughs> So just with that being said, we'll just keep it short and sweet. Hit us up on Twitter at UnregimentedPod. You can email the show unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Check us out every Saturday at ChristopherMedia.net. We'll see you next week. See ya. All right. Later. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.